Get your What Happened When gear at LoisRules.com and check out BoxOfGimmicks.com, the official What Happened When store, where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the WHW Monday fan in your life with new items added weekly. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We greatly appreciate your support. But before we get started, I wanted to tell you about a success story. I wanted to tell you about my friend Carl up in New Boston, Michigan. He listens to our pods every week and he heard me talking about how I might be able to help him out. So he hit me up over at SaveWithConrad.com. He just closed last month and he left us a five-star review and he had this to say, not only did we save over a hundred thousand dollars on our mortgage by removing several years off of it. He also saved us a few months of payments and follow up. Conrad and Steve were super helpful when I had additional questions. You can't go wrong here with save with Conrad. Definitely worth a call to understand what your savings could be. Take Carl's word for it. He saved more than a hundred grand. What have you got to lose? Be like Carl, go to savewithconrad.com right now and find out how much money you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Why not you? Why not now? Go to savewithconrad.com and find out how much money you can save for free. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get a quick quote right now. You'll thank me later and you'll be glad you did. Savewithconrad.com. There's no better time to say I love you and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently He's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day. Backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Welcome to WHW Monday. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotions. Tony and first North, they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off center stage. Bischoff, Disney Hogan, and Nitro. New World Order and the Crow. Thunder Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinnie Mac, simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad. Not your classy podcast. Watch a long try not to laugh. Lois rules cat back. This wasn't the initial plan. Tom Ziggs a good looking man. Quad like Bill, make a tip. Tommy, come over here. What? 
And now, let's go to the ring. And here's your co-host. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? With the voice of your childhood, Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? Am I a feel-good type guy? Um, yeah, on the air, for sure. Yeah. I was reading that, uh, that's what Melcher said. Shivani is there just to bring back your past and make you, and talk about how much he loves wrestling, which is true. I mean, is that a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing. I was just, I was, I was interested. It was a take on that because I guess that's what it is because I, I, I guess I've kind of, uh, anyway, hi Conrad. Uh, anyway, I, I, I guess I've kind of connected the, the past with the present in a positive way, because I do like what I see and I do enjoy everything. I, I do enjoy it all. I really do as a shoot. I mean, I, I, uh, we found out on this podcast that I enjoy ECW. We have right. found out on this podcast that I, I've enjoyed TNA and, uh, thanks to you, I've reconnected with wrestling again. It's, it's helped me tremendously and on many levels. And I just, uh, I like what I see now. So, uh, I just thought it was an interesting take by Dave, and uh, I kind of appreciate it in many ways. So there you go. You're like the TNA, or I'm sorry, the AEW mascot. You know, in that everybody likes to see you. You are you're the Philly fanatic of AEW. <laughs> Why don't I put on the fucking goofy suit and stand in the middle of the ring, or go around and hand out uh, gimmicks to kids during the commercial breaks, buddy? During the commercial breaks, you're sending love notes via a chain. And clothesline to a girl in the backseat of a Kubota <laughs> behind glass, like a little Pope mobile. And then you do go stand in the ring mm-hmm. with your air mall Walker. One thousands, your Michael PS Hayes, tailored khakis from old Navy and some middle of the mall shit in your left ear. Yeah. So you okay. are the Philly fanatic. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's quali- Let's, uh, really uh, clear this up. Uh, number one, middle of the mall shit is right. But those, uh, those pants and those shoes are from Tommy Bahama motherfucker. So there Ooh, can't hide money. <laughs> well, here's what we're doing today. We're watching SummerSlam 1997. I need to apologize right at the top of the show. Mm. I am sick. And, are you? Uh, I don't have, I don't have the COVID 19, but I do have some sort of summer cold that's kicking my ass. So there are going to be some times where I've got to, uh, make myself sound a little better for you here. My apologies in advance, but it's not going to dampen my enthusiasm for this show because you've never seen SummerSlam 97. Do I have that right? You have that right. You're going to love this. This is just a cast of hall of famers one after another to put this in perspective. You guys have absolutely kicked the shit out of the company at this point. I mean, bad. We're just about a month away from Vince going to Brett and saying, Hey, I can't honor your contract. See if you can get your old WCW deal back. The top of the uh, card though is getting crowded. Undertaker is going to be working with Brent Hart here for the world title. Shawn Michaels is the referee. Stone cold is white hot. And of course the rock is starting to bubble to the surface in a way that most wouldn't have predicted. And oh yeah, mankind and triple H are going to steal the show as they're sort of breaking out of their classic characters and becoming their own man. This is creatively, uh, some of the best stuff that the company ever did. And wow. this is a, a pretty monumental show because it's their first big show back in New Jersey. 
and I'm sure we'll talk about that and, and all the implications that, you know, this new tax workaround meant for not only the WWF, but WCW. It's just uh, the best of times, my favorite year, and I can't wait to share it with you. It's got a runtime of two hours, 49 minutes. It went down on August 3rd, 1997. Fire up your WWE network and join us. Watch at the same time Tony does. You're going to love this. Just click on WWE pay-per-view, find SummerSlam, scroll down to 1997, and bam, there it will be. When you get to uh, all zeros, Tony will give you a countdown, and we'll get this thing going. Hot damn. Is that ready? Is that we were Okay, here we go. I, I mean, boy, I was like, I was looking, do a little prep work, looking and say, okay, that's pretty cool, and that's pretty cool. But hearing you talk about this, it's like, man, it's good I'm stuff, fired man. up now, buddy. I love this show. and. Huh? I think it, it holds up better than people remember, you know, the wrestling observer reader poll only gave it 44.8% thumbs up. I think if you watch this pay-per-view today, you're going to be shocked. It was only 44.8. There's some great shit here. Only 44.8, huh? Yep. Hmm. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. He's ready. Three, two, one. I'll start again. <clears throat> I know I got, I got everybody. I kind of got you a uh, finger on the trigger. Three, two, one. Play. Here we go. I'm going to track it. Just so I'm clear, did Vince McMahon have his hand on his wallet during that song? Uh, either that or the top of his penis. Yeah, that was the the weirdest hand over the heart gimmick I ever saw. Mm. I was thinking oh. as we were watching that, you know what? I wish they would do this in more shows now. And then I realized, no, probably shouldn't. It would become a controversial thing. Yeah, it would. That's why, uh, that's why society as it stands right now sucks. All right, you need to hear the backstory. Here we go. No okay. conspicuous manifestations of hate. Athletic excellence would be applauded. Sportsmanship would be the rule. Our heroes would remain heroes forever. If life were fair, then this legend would be lauded in his pursuit of an historic fifth World Wrestling Federation championship. Instead, he's a fallen idol, America's public enemy number one. The respect abandoned, the legacy bludgeoned and spat upon by a society he feels condones defiance and perpetuates hate. If life were fair, then this mighty champion, this survivor of deception and conqueror of all earthly hells, would surely revel in the championship spotlight. 
The bright lights wouldn't singe his aura, illuminating a dark, horrifying secret from a distant past. And if life were fair, then this man might still be champion, dancing, flying, showcasing his extraordinary talents to legions of fans. He wouldn't be an athlete betrayed by an unwilling knee, a man surrendering a boyhood dream to search for the lost smile of youth. Is it fair that tonight, even in victory, this champion will be haunted by personal demons whose voices cry out from the dark? Is it fair that tonight this man may rewrite history, yet still incur the wrath of a hostile and unappreciative nation? And is it fair that tonight's special referee is a despised enemy of the challenger? Will vengeance flow ruinous from his biased heart, ensuring that tonight will be the last night Bret Hart ever wrestles in this country again? Life isn't fair, but whoever said it would be. So there you go. The stage is set. We're knee deep in the America versus Canada angle. If you didn't pick that up there, but, uh, we're also what two months away from the debut of Kane. And it's been teased this entire time on the build here that the undertaker has a deep, dark secret that he doesn't want Paul bear to reveal. So he's finding himself forced into situations where he has to do things. He doesn't agree with just to keep that secret buried and the stakes in the main event are very very high undertaker won the world title at wrestlemania he's going to be defending it against bret hart who at this point i believe is a four-time wwf champion and the stakes are title versus not career but if bret doesn't win he'll never wrestle in america again so this is a way to sort of stamp out this america Canada angle. And if the undertaker wins, he's got to take his happy ass back to Canada. And of course, Sean Michaels hates everybody. And he's your special guest referee. And Tony, you've, uh, you've muted yourself. Going to need to find a way to unmute yourself. Well, is it fair? Sorry about that. I just didn't, I, I didn't have it potted up. Oh man. If you're going to pot it up, we need to get JR on the phone because JR gets potted up every time we record. I think it was, I think it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's interesting that they start out with a cage match. Isn't that kind of unique? Well, here's why it's going to take pay-per-view time. If you've got a tight show to assemble the thing right in the middle. And this is one of the last major appearances. This might be the last appearance of big blue. We would see big blue spray painted black in February of 99 when Vince McMahon would take on Stone Cold Steve Austin in a cage from Memphis, I believe. It was uh, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre where Big Show debuted. But this might be the final appearance of the classic Big Blue Cage that you remember so fondly with Hulk Hogan and Big Boss Man coming off the top of that motherfucker. Yes, sir, buddy. That's the one. Madison Square Garden. How about China here? Pre-surgery. China Mm -hmm. debuted in February of this year. We're in August now. Uh, this is before any sort of reconstructive surgery. This is before any new, uh, any bolt-ons, any plus twos. Hmm. You've seen a recap from the prior pay-per-view Canadian stampede. One of the best shows ever, which you and I have watched here. And how about, I always love when somebody dresses up as a cameraman and attacks yeah. a guy. Oh, big spear here from China. Ah. Boy, she was, she was something else. Wasn't she? Jesus. 
Man, so- this is a uh, pre China and all of her, uh, enhancements. I liked the, uh, I liked the pre China too, man. I feel so bad every time I see her because oh, I do too. she's one of those tragic tales of she became such a big star so quickly, had so much success. And then through no fault of her own, those circumstances changed in a major way. And I don't think she was ever really the same. And I get it, man. You don't want to peak when you're what a couple years in. Yeah. And here he comes mankind. You want to talk about a character. Look at the crowd. They're starting to be with him. You see that guy dressed up as dude love there next to Vladimir, the super fan. The backstory here, Tony, just so you know, is he's done a series of sit down interviews over the summer with Jim Ross explaining he didn't want to be this disfigured guy. He wanted to be the handsome wrestler like Shawn Michaels, but the girls didn't kiss him. They made him eat worms. And now he wants everyone to feel his pain, Mm. but he's become, even though he's cutting heel promos, he's become a sympathetic baby face because a lot of the audience realizes, well, the girls don't kiss me either. So ugly men unite get behind uh, Mick Foley here. Ugly men unite. One of the there's, fun, a t- there's, there's a t-shirt buddy. Probably is over at uh, lowestrules.com. We should also mention he talked about how he created a character kind of similar to the Shawn Michaels heartbreak kid character back when he was a kid who wanted to be a wrestler. And there's footage that aired on TV for the first time of him as a teenager jumping off the roof of a house onto an old mattress. But he would call himself Dude Love in these old promos he's cutting as a teenager. So that's what that guy was dressed up as, tied eye mm. with a big heart. Right. Oh, man, he wants out now, doesn't he? Well, that's see, here's the thing. He's not trying to escape because he's scared. He wants to win. One, right. And uh, famously, the WWF ruined the cage match concept probably, what, two decades before? But maybe a decade before. First to the floor picks up the win. So you right. can you can es- escape, and somehow that's a win, and that's not the way you grew up on a cage match. No, no, the cage match was there to keep people out and to damage your opponent, basically. And that's what it was about. But I, I like this cage. And the reason I like this cage, uh, and of course, I remember the old chain link cage. And I get that. But this was always easier to shoot through, you know, easier to see through. So I like this too. 16 but. minutes and 25 seconds is what they got here. Meltzer would give it two and a half stars. Whoa. He would say the match had its hot spots and memorable spots. And in hindsight, it was very well laid out. But something was missing from the body of the match. And it wasn't just crowd heat. You know, I understand Meltzer gave this two and a half stars. I would say that everybody watching this would give it higher, especially when we know what the implications are going to be and that these guys are going to go on to have some of the best matches ever. I've made you watch some of their stuff from what, two and a half, three years later, and it is fucking unreal. Right. Now you said what the implications of this match would be. What, what, What do you mean by that? Were they... Jesus well, Christ, man. I mean, you're going to see the dude love thing in a minute. You're going to see a guy, you know, they also, when they're telling Mick Foley's story, they're talking about when he was a little boy, not only did he want to be this, you know, good looking baby face hero, ladies, man figure, but he wanted to be a wrestler because he hitchhiked to Madison square garden as a teenager and saw Jimmy super Snuka jump off the top of a cage. And that was the moment when he knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Well, during this match, here's a spoiler. 
he's going to recreate that spot, but he's going to rip his shirt and reveal the dude love like insignia on his chest. And it's just such a cool story. And we right. know that there's also some big spots in here where famously, you know, the whole, uh, free bird, Kerry Von Erich, Ric Flair in a cage, slamming mm-hmm. the door gimmick. China's mm-hmm. going to slam this big heavy ass door on Mick Foley's head, mm-hmm. but it's not the little bullshit chain link. No. That's serious. Yeah. And Mick said when it hit, it was one of the most painful things he'd ever felt. Wow. And like lightning went through his body when it hit. Wow. So it's, it's pretty remarkable and it's a really good match. And, I don't know. I'm yeah. just thinking hindsight Meltzer's uh, probably too low. There's the mandible claw. That's his finisher. Famously, that was a, a real life maneuver done by the guy, the fugitive, the movie, the fugitive was based on when he got into wrestling. I thought it was really, really cerebral that that's what Foley went with here as his WWF finisher. Boy, she gets involved in a hurry in this thing. I, uh, Now, is Triple H and Stephanie together at this time? No. They were not. No. Triple H and, and China. I don't, I don't even know that China and him are together together at this point. Mm-hmm. They might be. But they certainly are by like, you know, 98, 99. Right. So it's building, so to speak. He, uh, he had to advocate for her. Both him and Sean went to bat and kept pestering to bring her in. Yeah. And, uh. They took a chance. They acquiesced just because of Sean, I'm sure. And oh man, punch right in the no, no area. Yeah. How much would you pay to have China punch you in the balls? Oh, I don't know. Probably a buck 75. That would be all that my balls are worth, uh, at this age. You ready for this? Oh my God. Holy shit. You know, they almost dropped straight down. Well, that's 287 pounds is what it's been. I, I, I know it's, it, I get that. I, I get that's the reason they did, but I'm thinking, holy shit, man, two and a half stars. Come on, man. No. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't get that at all. All right. Match over. Go home. No, we're just getting started. Bubba. It could have been over. Is that, is that what they're saying now? Could have, he could have won the match, but he decided to go back and inflict more punishment. More. You got it. Yeah. So by the way, big crowd here, 20,213 folks, 17,361 paid a gate of $523,000. Wow. There's $202,000 in merchandise sales. The show sold out a week in advance. It broke pro wrestling records in all three categories at the former Meadowlands Arena. The previous records were SummerSlam 89 with 17,202 paying fans, so they got more paid here. By the way, that gate for SummerSlam 89 was only 326. And on top, as a reminder, that's Hogan and Beefcake against Zeus and Savage. This is going to be the second largest gate of 1997 in North America trailing only WrestleMania in Chicago. So even though WCW is doing a better job on the ratings and probably has better house show attendance when it came to the big shows with, with big ticket prices, the WWF was still King. 
because shows like SummerSlam and WrestleMania meant something. I, and, and I, the name that itself brought people in, don't you think? Well, WrestleMania for sure. And SummerSlam and, too, without question. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, you, you mentioned that Mick Foley, uh, hitchhiked to Madison square garden. Mm-hmm. Saw Jimmy Snuka. Yep. I tell you, uh, the, this story, I may have told you the story before. If I did, I'm sorry. I'm going to repeat it. When I was uh, working for the Crockett's back in the eighties, I did a lot of ring announcing for him because I was on TBS and Jimmy thought it would be, you know, kind of neat to see the guy on TBS also be the ring announcer. And I was ring announcer at, uh, Nassau Coliseum. I would always go up there when we would run Nassau Coliseum and we would also, we would always do the national anthem before, before the, uh, before the shows. And I forgot to tell the people at the, at the Nassau Coliseum, Hey, we're going to do the national anthem. So you need to cue it up. I would have to tell them that. And they would bring somebody up to their sound system and they would play the national anthem. I stood in the ring and I said, ladies and gentlemen, please stand for our national anthem. And as I said that, and they're standing, I realized I forgot to tell them that we're going to do a national anthem. So I'm standing there like a jack off. And I say, well, I guess it's time to sing it. And I sang the national anthem and Mick Foley was in the crowd that day. And he recanted that story to me. He or re- repeated that story to me that he was there that the time, which, which I thought was so cool that here, this legendary figure and this guy who go on to be one of the great performers of all time. Remember me singing the national anthem back in probably 1987 or 86, something like that. So there you go. Are they going to bleed in this thing? Uh, I don't think so. Is this a no juice policy uh, ter- uh, time? No, that was just special occasion, Joan. Okay, okay. You gotta remember, at this point, these guys are not top guys. Uh, well, apparently not, because they're on top. I mean, they're starting out the. Uh... Well, but hang on now. I mean, they often put big stars in the first match. You know, Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio, and there's been a lot of guys who had a big match up front, but still they're not yet main event guys. The prior wrestle prior SummerSlam rather undertaker was working with mankind. Uh, but it wasn't the very last match on the show, but it was a boiler room brawl. Anytime you're working with the undertaker on a big card, uh, it's a good placement, but we're just one year removed from Hunter having to eat shit and learn to love the taste of it after the whole, uh, Madison square garden curtain call. So just a couple months prior to this, he became the king of the ring. So they're trying to do the big monster push that was playing for him in 96. By the way, when you see the background up there, that big, uh, banner hanging and even the ring skirt, it's the mm-hmm. classic SummerSlam logo, like that blue and yellow or blue and gold. I'm colorblind, but the classic Correct. logo, this is the last time they would use it. Whoa. And it's in your garage right now. I wish it was man. I, I love this version. You know, when I oh, have I do my, too. my little friend get together, uh, you know, we, we do a little wrestling friend get together with guys from the group chat Christmas. We called it a no holds bar Christmas. And then a few weeks ago we did it in the summer and we called it summer scam instead of summer slam because I could make hats and shirts for us that look like the summer slam logo. Just put a little tail on the top of the L and boom slam becomes scam. 
Wow, that's good. Yeah, it's it's a good logo. It's better than I think what they're using now. And of course, that's just nostalgia talking. Uh, but I, I really like that. I like the I like the old logos. But I, I get it. You change things up, you get merchandise, and and you you get somebody in marketing to design that based on crazy stuff. Okay. So the fans kind of with Mick Foley here, aren't they? Yes, they are. He's yeah. a sympathetic baby face character now. Even though he's doing heel promos, I kind of heel promos. Yeah, right. I guess the gist is, this is the era where Vince McMahon decides everything can't just be black or white. We've got to have some shades of gray. And man, it's remarkable to look at Hunter Hearst Helmsley here and just think about how much this guy's body changed over the years. Mm -hmm. A lot leaner here, you know, still doing the, uh, the blue blood robe to the ring and you know, this Greenwich snob character and he's got, you know, the long tights on. I like this version of him a lot. Yeah. It almost, uh, it almost became real in later life. Didn't it? Blue blood Greenwich snob. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, one thing I've noticed in this match is that when China gets involved or when you have shots of China, she kind of like just takes up the screen. In other words, She's so noticeable. Yeah. They're shooting her to be even bigger. Yeah. You know, sometimes they're trying to shoot. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I know they've even made Taz even made fun of it recently on TV. Hey, uh, Cage, stand in front of me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's well been documented. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, she was so athletic. She could climb the cage so well. And it just, you could just, you just noticed her. I don't know more than any other type of manager, valet, second, whatever you want to call it. She was just so noticeable. And I don't, I can't see why it took so long for them to convince Vince to hire her because I would have taken one look at her and say, yeah, you got it. Tied up in the ropes, man. The boy, those ropes were. They were just, uh, loose. Maybe. I don't know. Had a lot of play in them. He's going to get out. Nope. Is this it? Oh, that was it. Right. Yeah. Right. Holy shit. He's hurting bad. And he says, I don't know why, but in that moment, all I knew to do was to grab my arm or shoulder, even though she hadn't hit his arm or shoulder. He was just hurting bad. Wow. Holy shit. That, yeah. Look at this. Now look how, look how easily she climbs the cage. I mean, just. This is a hell of a first match guys. This is, yeah, you're right. This is not a two and a three quarter, two and a quarter star match, whatever he said, but Hey, he's wrong sometimes. Right? No, listen, it's just his like opinion, man. Yeah. Right. Right. How about setting up the pile driver? <sighs> And by the yeah. way, I loved. Oh no, he's going for the pedigree. He's going to hit his finish on him. Here we go. That's a fun spot. Yeah, that is. Look at the crowd; they're into it. Well, they are. It's what Dave would call heat. Here we go. Oh. 
I got to tell you, I never liked the double arm DDT, and I don't know why. Well, compared to the other one, it's not as good. So. Man, I, I guess uh, we were we at WCW was winning because of NWO and Hogan and all that and uh, luchadors and cruiserweights, but how could you not like this? I mean, how can this not be? Yeah, talking about. Yeah, we're talking about the start of the show, something like this. It's a big story, too, you know? Yeah, right. And she's checking on him, but he's going to escape on the other side. No, he's not. Hang on. Let's track it. Okay. Dude, how cool was that? Wow. And how cool was the commentary, too? The commentary makes it. That's why I wanted to do it so you could hear yeah. it. I got fucking chill bumps on the call. Wow. JR, when he's on his shit, man. Yep. There ain't nobody better. Nope. Everybody just step out. <laughs> Everybody shut up. Give him the mic. Oh, this is cool. Now, China's going to drag him out on the left. Uh-huh. And then, of course, Mankind's going to jump on the right. And boom, there you go. Your baby face wins. Mankind is the winner. It's a good story. It's a good match. I thought it was way better than just two and a half stars. Oh, yeah. Three plus four. Four plus. Good start to the show, man. Wow, how do you follow this, right? Well, that's the thing. This era of WWF writing had really, really good stories. And yeah. it would get a little sort of off the beaten path late in the year. And certainly in 98, it gets a little crazy. Good stuff here. So when he tore the, the shirt off, that was the dude love shirt underneath of it. Well, that, that's what he was trying to sort of show off and represent that. Hey, I want to be that Shawn Michaels type character. I want to be right. dude love. And right. That was his dude love moment. And you know, right now, as as we see it, he's 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 hurting as as a fucking shoot, man. He's but they're showing his foot tapping. Yeah. Like it's dude love. Yeah. That's the music for dude love right there. Trying to dance out of the arena. 
Yeah. Good story, man. <laughs> it is. I, I, I swear, man, Cactus Jack deserves more discussion for being on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. And maybe you're going to say, oh, well, he's not the iconic, you know, mainstream persona that maybe The Rock or Steve Austin or whatever were. Okay. But man, can we not just all agree he's top 10? I don't think it's debatable. As you would say, it's without question. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like Eddie Guerrero. Does he deserve to be on Mount Rushmore? Well, I don't know, but he deserves to be in the top 10, maybe top five of guys who just could perform and could do things. And my God, that as Jr. said, 300 pounds off the top there. Jeez. There's your uh, Stridex blimp dropping down the Stridex pads, all those people to wipe their faces with. You ever used a Stridex pad? Oh, yeah, years ago. Sure did. Did you have a lot of acne? No, I didn't have a ton, but I mean, I had enough to use Stridex, and it was pretty remarkable to see that little pad after, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, look at all that dirt come off our face. By the way, this is Todd Pettengill, Mm. big time radio DJ with a ton of heat Mm. uh, from New York City. But he had the heat because he's wearing fancy watches and rings and bracelets and uh, drove a Ranger over to work on Monday and a Land Cruiser uh, to work on a Tuesday. And here is your governor of New Jersey, Christine Todd Whitman, and they're going uh-huh. to present her with the WWF title. Now, this is just ceremonial because this is the belt that's going to be used later on tonight. But in real life, they would gift her a women's world championship with a pink leather strap. And Vince McMahon hand signed it in pen in pen. Mm-hmm. Said something like, To our next president, thanks for everything. Mm-hmm. Your friend, Vince McMahon. Right. And my buddy, Dave Milliken, the belt maker, actually owns that belt now that was gifted to her. And I just think it's such a cool little thing. You may remember this is when there was an entertainment tax. Right. And she signed a bill to eliminate the entertainment tax because if there was a televised wrestling event, it made it to where it was not feasible for you to run pay-per-view there. So because they were able to eliminate it, ta-da, you get one of the biggest shows of the year here. Sure. Well, you know what? This was back at a time when uh, two things. Back at the, I like it the headbangers are there with them. That's kind of crazy. Anyway, uh, uh, this is a time back when politicians actually did something for people and people actually cheered for politicians, which is no longer the case. And back when Gorilla Monsoon was alive, which is wonderful. Can you imagine Todd Pettengill having heat just because he did well outside of wrestling? Oh, yeah. I can imagine that. Wait, look at that. Look at that uh, biscuit on his left arm. Yeah, Todd had the the look, the face that you just kind of wanted to like slap, right? Why? I don't know. I don't. I don't have that heat with him. No, it just just wrestling fans would think pretty boy. That's all. Oh, that's probably why you had so much heat. You're so goddamn good looking. Yeah, Scott, you damn right. As as Eric Bischoff famously said, a face for radio. I think. I think what you and Eric have with each other is, is what we call handsome heat. Well, Eric was a good looking man and he still is in his old age. 
hypothetically, mm-hmm. we're talking about hypothetically. I love hypothetically. If you went to prison <laughs> and Eric Bischoff was your cellmate, yeah. <clears throat> who's top, who's bottom? Uh, uh, bottom bunk, it'd be me, I guess. Yeah, I kind of figured. Yeah. Oh, uh, you weren't talking about sleeping arrangements, were you? No, bunk beds. Like you don't get yeah, to okay. stretch out right. yourself. Right. You t- right. I would have to be bottom because I'm, I can't get up on top that easily anymore. You don't have the power, so you're like the Just bottom. See that sign on the left? Bischoff smells Turner's ass. It's true. Oh. We're getting ready to go to Saudi Arabia. No, that's Tiger Ali Singh on the left. That's Tiger okay. Pete Singh on the right. Yeah. Tiger Ali Singh was going to be like their next big pet project. They thought he was going to be one of their next great superstars. And, of course, we know he sucked a dick. So it didn't happen. He did. Okay. I, I didn't know that story, but there you go. I But I can tell you, have you ever seen any uh, Tiger Jeet Singh matches from uh, Japan? Man. Yep. Chasing motherfuckers with swords. Oh, hitting them too. He would hit, he would, you know, and I think I'm, I'm sure it's changed now, but back then Japanese fans thought it was an honor to be involved in the match to get hit. Look at, look at doc Hendricks up there. Yeah. Hey, get up on top of that car. Hey, look at Sonny. I'll tell you this, if, I, if I'm having the road warriors come to an event, mm-hmm. they better paint up. Yeah, they better paint up and they better put their spikes on. Yep. And I'm surprised they didn't allow, they didn't go for that. I mean, I'm there. just saying if evil Knievel made an appearance, you think he's doing it in goddamn flip flops? Nope. He's got the helmet on. He's got the, he's got the, uh, he's got the helmet under his arm, but he's got that jumpsuit on And by right. the way, here comes Dustin and Marlena. This is gold dust and Marlena. And storyline here, uh, they're in a big time feud with Brian Pillman. And there are some stakes here. The mm-hmm. implication is once upon a time before Dustin was with Marlena, Brian Pillman was with her, which was also a shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dustin is not exactly comfortable with that, but goes along with it. And that's the story here. And the stakes are. If Goldust wins, Brian Pillman has to wear a dress. Wow. But if Brian Pillman wins, he gets Marlena back. Man. And I don't think he wants her to help around the house with some yard work. They shot they shot his entrance differently, didn't they? Yeah, they, they went letterbox style like a movie. Yeah. Right. It looks, it looks cool. It does. Got to give Dustin credit, buddy. He, he made that work, didn't he? Better than anyone could have ever guessed. Yes. Including Vince. Cause that was not originally Vince's plan. You thought he wanted to do it to make it flop. He wanted to do it to make fun of the Rhodes family, which is what he's always done. That's been one of his MOs. You're being negative. I'm being truthful. Who, what's the, what's all I was thinking, who's the girl standing there, but that's the dress on a mannequin, right? Yes. Okay. I get that. All right. So here we go. We're going to track it. 
Man, I like the storyline here. Ah, there's Ric Flair's date from years ago. This is not a good match, and the finish is a major botch. Okay. It gets half a star. They go seven minutes and uh, 15 seconds. Melzer would write. Finish was supposed to be Goldust doing a sunset flip over the top, Pillman grabbing the ropes to avoid going over, and Marlena hitting Pillman in the face with a purse, him losing his grip on the ropes and falling backwards to be pinned. What actually happened was altogether different. Goldust went for the sunset flip, and he either didn't shoot himself far enough because of the loose ropes, or Pillman was too far away, and he landed on Pillman's back, and they both went down. Pillman kind of sat on him, and it appeared the two had a brief conversation of how to get out of this mess and decided to make it the finish after all, which in hindsight was a mistake. With Pillman sitting on Goldust, they were not in a position, so they dragged themselves, keeping the position to the ropes so Pillman could hold on, and Marlena did her thing half a star. Mm. Surprising. Look, look at the paint off on. Uh, surprising, and that uh, both, these, both these guys could really work. Look at the shape that Pillman is in here, dude. Mm -hmm. I don't think he ever looks better. I mean, yeah. he, he's Ab Jones here. Yeah. Maybe when he first started, he looked better. Of course, age changes you, I know. But I think this may be one of the first times I've seen Pillman in the WWE. Well, this of is going to be he, one of the last times he, he passed away uh, two months after this. Oh, really? He had one more pay-per-view in September. They were supposed to have a big pay-per-view in October. He passed away the night before. So this is his next to last pay-per-view appearance. But these days we get to see, uh, his son flying Brian jr. Ooh, yep. On uh, AEW dark every now and again, and sometimes in the crowd of dynamite. Right. And you used to see him on MLW back when they were able to run shows pre COVID and I think occasionally we've seen him on some internet pay-per-view wrestling. Uh, he recently did the, uh, talking shop of mania. Have you seen talking shop of mania? Did you see any of that this past weekend? No, I did not. We need to watch that at some point. And Here's where's that show. on? It was on fight TV. Oh, okay. Gallows and Anderson put on a hell of a show that has been regarded as the worst wrestling pay-per-view of all time, <laughs> which is probably what they wanted to do. That was the original cats. intent. Yes. <laughs> let me let me give you a spoiler nature boy paul lee was there <laughs> let's stop this and rack that up <laughs> let's hit pause let's find that and do a countdown oh god nature we're, gonna, boy paul. we're gonna do it sometime soon i'm sure oh we need to do zoom calls with uh with nature boy paul lee yeah oh don't <laughs> boo me woo me <laughs> Oh, woo. <laughs> I was, uh, his type, by the way, say Rick too, which is just yeah. tremendous. They, I was, uh, I was texting those guys the other day, just checking in and see how they're doing. And, uh, they just, they kill me. Even when I text, they just, they, they, they slay me. All their responses to my texts are just, are just hilarious, but that's great, man. I, I, uh, I didn't realize that was going on and, uh, Good for them. Hey, let Marlena, me 
Did you ever watch? Uh, did you ever watch Mutual <laughs> of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? Yes. Man, I had a big knockdown drag out with Bruce this past week. He said I should know what the fuck that is. I don't. You don't know what it is? No. Oh God. That was that was one of, that was one of the famous shows from years ago. And you know, you probably don't know it because of your age. I, I get that. I mean, but you know, Bruce who's, you know, older than you are and, and me who's much older than you are, you know. Marlon Perkins. Never heard of him. Who'd he ever be? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that, is that the common thing? If he didn't beat anybody, you never heard of him. <laughs> that is an old school wrestler thing that I picked yeah, up right. from conventions. Yeah. Like, uh, I'll never forget somebody. Oh boy. This is going to sound like I'm picking on him. I'm not trying to. Buff Bagwell had a table next to my belt buddy, Dave Milliken, who made all the belts for years and years. And did he make it, make it, make off with any of those belts? That's no. bringing on the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway. So somebody comes over to Milliken's table and tries to buy a t-shirt and Buff starts talking to the, the customer, the fan, like, wait a minute. Hey, I got t-shirts right here. And he's like, oh, okay. Hey, hey, hey Buff. So anyway, Dave, do you have one of those Dave Milliken t-shirts? And Buff was just beside himself. And he says, Dave Milligan, who the hell did he ever beat? <laughs> and he mispronounced his name and yelled, who, did he, who the hell did he ever beat? He started laughing and it took me a minute. And then I realized this might be the funniest quip that an old time wrestler <laughs> could ever have. So now I use it a lot here on the show. But of course, since then, I've heard it a thousand different times. I didn't realize that it was just sort of a, a reflex for old wrestlers as a, a funny haha. But dude, it works every time. Marlon Perkins, who the hell did he ever beat? Great stuff. <laughs> well, you know, the old joke on, on Mutual of Omaha's, Mutual of Omaha's, but Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom was that Marlon would, would stay behind the tree or stay safely in the, in the Jeep while Jim would go out and get the shots of the wild animals. I'm going to stay here in the Jeep while Jim goes out and tries to feed these lions with a, some <laughs> raw meat. <laughs> and it was like, Jim would like, you would think Jim would be saying, fuck you, old man. But he'd go out. All right. I've got a confession, Tony. I, uh, I didn't know how to bring this up, but I guess I'll just tell you here in front of everybody. I got something of yours delivered to my house, but you're never getting it. Sort of like the six man belt, except this one's way cooler because we're actually going to be able to do something with this. It's, uh, it's our podcast logo printed directly onto glass. And now it's a really cool frameless print in my home studio and, and nanny, nanny, boo, boo. You're never getting it. I absolutely love it, but I didn't understand. Uh, did you order this? And then I realized, well, of course you did. It's from fracture fracture helps you focus on the moments that matter most by turning your favorite memories into beautiful glass prints and fracture prints directly on durable glass, but with soft edges for safe handling. And these prints come in multiple sizes, no frame required. And each print comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. If for any reason you don't love your print fracture, will make it right. Glass prints also make unique gifts for your friends. 
and something that your family will never forget. I know my family will never forget it, but you'll never actually get it, friend, Tony Schiavone. We should mention right now, this episode is brought to you by Fracture. Fracture, in case you haven't been listening so far, turns your digital images into beautiful glass prints. That's right. They print your photos directly on glass, transforming your favorite memories into handcrafted frameless prints. This is awesome. So awesome that you're never going to see this, Tony. But don't take my word for it. Fracture prints look incredible. You really need to see them to believe it. Upload your photo right now to FractureMe.com forward slash WHW to print your photo on glass today. We've got a special deal for our listeners. When you visit FractureMe.com slash WHW and enter our promo code WHW, you'll get 20% off your order. That's FractureMe.com slash WHW and enter promo code WHW to save 20% off your Fracture glass print. And we thank Fracture for sponsoring the podcast and accidentally sending me Tony's. You're never getting it, Tony. Unless you go to FractureMe.com forward slash WHW and use our promo code WHW and then you can get one just like mine. Promo code WHW and then you can get one just like mine. Just an old school entrance too, man. Oh, I love that entrance. Oh, I do too. I mean, I, I just, you know, I just think, uh, and I get it. You want to present people to stars and I'm not critic. Oh, Lord of mercy. Yeah. Like in, going in hindsight, <laughs> this, uh, this doesn't age well, but no, got a couple of pig farmers. The Godwin's walking to the ring now, brandishing the, what they called the rebel flag here. Mm-hmm. I think these days, most people know it as the Confederate flag. Or as I call it, the North Florida, fl- uh, flag north florida well you see it do you know when when all this uh when all these racial tensions started they took that flag down on i-75 it's back now in north florida between the georgia line and lake city flying high right over the interstate and i'm thinking who's who 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 who's doing this What a rush. Tony Schiavone. He's the one that uh, made my name uh, known, I think. Well, Flair did too, but the way he, the way Hawk would say it, he loved saying it that way. He'd say, you like the way I say it? I said, oh, yeah. I like anything you do, Mike. Yeah, you don't want to piss that guy off. He'll eat you. <laughs> Again, we, I know we've talked about him a lot. Because we've we've seen uh, some of his matches, and we've talked about uh, him as far as the the show uh, Dark Side of the Ring is concerned. But if you were his friend, you were gold, buddy. He could have been the world champ by himself, don't you think? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mrs. Thompson just did a run in and brought me some more drinks. That's a great wife. Hi, Mrs. Thompson. She's such a nice lady. I would probably come over and see you guys if you weren't sick. No, you wouldn't. Oh yeah, well I got something to deliver to you. You want to tell everybody what you got? Yeah, I've got the the old uh, TNA uh, championship belt. Ding ding ding! Another one for Clint from Hershey to destroy accidentally. And also know that, and also have seen another belt that you got that I I wasn't given, but uh, you got the old uh, uh, X division champ belt. Yeah, right? that, that's a pass through. A pa- Okay, I don't know what a pass through is. I, I did a little package deal. Uh-huh. I didn't want the X title, but I knew a friend who did. Oh, okay. So 
I technically did a deal and I technically paid for, he paid me for the other belt and that's his now. I think it's interesting that you being a belt collector, why wouldn't you want that? It's a, it's a belt. It has some meaning. It has some nostalgia to it just because you don't like the way it looks. Is that why you don't want it? Um, no, it's just the belts to me are more about what matches they represented, what moments they represented more so what guys it represented more so than the design of the belt. So like, if it's a cool design, I know a lot of people will say, oh man, that's a cool belt. I'd like to have one of those. Well, I would rather say this is the, oh man, this is the SummerSlam 97 world title. Like that'd be gotcha. cool to have. Uh, but when it's a, a list of guys that maybe already have a belt that represents their career, maybe a little better, or it doesn't have an iconic pay-per-view or match that I absolutely loved that meant a lot to me, then I don't care as much. And I do think if you're going to collect belts, if you can collect a secondary title or you can collect the world title, if I had to pick one, I'm going world title. Mm. Got it. So this makes my second TNA world title, but the one that you're bringing me is probably regarded as being the best one. Okay. And if you saw the top, you saw where the, the, uh, tips of the wings were broken off and they actually refer to that as, uh, the hardcore belt collectors refer to that as, you know, the, oh, is that the broken wing belt or the broken eagle belt or whatever? Because there's a tell in most of these ring use belts where, you know, okay, that's the first one, or this is the second one or whatever. So for that to be, you know, Kurt Angle and Mick Foley and Samojo and Sting and AJ Styles, there's a lot of big guys that held that one. So yeah, I'm excited for that to be on the shelf and. I don't know that I told you this, but I'm redoing my studio. Have we talked about this? Well, I'm sure you have to since, since Clint from Hershey came through. Uh, well, now that we're working from home as a country more and more. Yeah. I'm giving up my old office to Mrs. Thompson because as it is now, I've got an office and my little studio here. Yeah. Well, uh, she didn't have to ask. I said, Hey, I'm going to set you up in here mm -hmm. and, uh, I'll just move all of my stuff uh, into the studio. So. I'm getting outfitted with a bunch of cabinets and, and things like that. So it's going to look really oh. cool next time you come over and I'll have a, a nice little belt display. Wow. Sounds good. I look forward to coming over again. I, uh, I had, uh, I, I did something the other day that uh, I probably shouldn't have. And you've been talking about belt collecting. I, uh, I went on eBay and bought a lot of baseball cards. Not, uh, not a lot as in many, but a LOT, which is a, you know, series of cards. Yeah. And I got to thinking, oh, here I go again. I mean, you go down that fucking rabbit hole. Oh, dude. When you get in the collecting thing, like it is yeah. fun, but it becomes a disease and it's right. just, yeah. it's hard to get out sometimes. Right. It was a series of, of baseball cards that I had in, uh, 1969 and there are 69 tops cards and they're gold embossed. Uh, I think red was for the American league and blue was for the national league. And I saw them and I thought I got to get those. And now when they come in, I know I'm going to say, Oh, let me see what else is available. I can't, but I got to stop. How's, uh, how's Lois? She told us on a little bonus episode over at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday that, uh, she's, uh, 
had a rough couple of days here. Yeah, she I, actually, to be honest, she's not doing well. She uh, was one of the uh, and I and I and I discovered that we probably should. We've got uh, as as most people do counters in their kitchens and bar stools in their kitchen, and uh, we bought like uh, four bar stools. And she'd been sitting in one for quite a while. I mean, it's where she sits all the time. And, uh, it collapsed on her the other day when she scooted back and broke and she fell and straight down. Fortunately, she did not re-injure her broken shoulder, but she hit the, the back of the chair, came up and hit, hit her in the back of the head, put a couple of knots on the, on her head. And she had to have EMTs come take her to the hospital. Oh and, my God. Yeah, I know. She's like, uh, we, we probably should just put a big bubble around her. So, uh, and she had like two weeks before she had slipped in, uh, in the diner and slipped and fell on some water, which wasn't too bad. She was able to get up, but this has been pretty bad because she's got a headache now and she can't take ibuprofen. Uh, and the only thing she can take is like tramadol. So she's like drugged up a lot and not doing much. Hey, here's a story that'll probably sound familiar. You're listening to your favorite podcast, me and Tony here, what happened when, and you happen to be going through a drive through or somebody's getting in your car and you forget that the show was on. And right then, Tony, never me, always Tony says something horribly offensive, something terribly foul. And then you're immediately embarrassed that, oh my goodness, someone just heard that. Well. Here's a little pro tip. It wouldn't have happened if you were using a Raycon earbud. You see, when you're working from home or you're working on your fitness, no matter what you're listening to, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not what your roommate is listening to. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. Before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out our friends over at Raycon. They've got incredible wireless earbuds that are about half the price of any other premium wireless earbud on the market. And they sound just as amazing as all those other top audio brands, you know, but their newest model, the everyday E25 earbud what's the best ones yet. They've got six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise, isolating fit. And you've heard me talk about here on the show. It's almost become a shirt at this point. Megan got a Peloton. Well, Megan uses these everyday ear 25 earbuds. And when big booty, Judy, Casio kid's wife came to hang out and visit and check out the new rig. She was like, Hey, what are these now? Big booty Judy is rocking those everyday E25 earbuds. They really are incredible. First of all, they're super comfortable, perfect for binging podcasts or your, your marathon conference calls. But maybe my favorite part is they're stylish and discreet. There's no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. And you don't have to take my word for it. They've got real celebrity endorsements here. Of course, the company was co-founded by Ray J but Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, J.R. Smith, Mike Tyson, Rich the Kid, they're all obsessed with Raycons, and now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. You can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash WHW. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash WHW, and you'll get 15% off your Raycon wireless earbuds. That's buyraycon.com slash WHW. I do want to ask, you said something a minute ago that we're so deep in the woods on really making sure Lois is okay that I didn't want to stop you, but you just casually mentioned, well, she slipped, she fell in the dining room when she slipped on some water. Mm -hmm. Why the fuck is there water on the floor in the dining room, Tony? 
Well, here's how there's, we had, uh, we had some damage in our kitchen, as you may know, and, uh, some water damage. So we were, we were having guys come out and redo the floor and that's why we were gone for a week. Well, as before we were leaving, the, the guys came out and they said, you got some damage in your dining room too. And I went, yeah, they said, yeah, you got water coming in here somewhere. Well, later that day, it started to rain and water was just flowing through one of the windows in the dining room and into the, I mean, we had a lot of, so she and I were in there mopping up the water and she fell on a little bit of that water. That's how it happened. So there, there's the explanation. That's the, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it as best I remember. So what do you think of that? What did this match get? Because these, these big guys have been slugging it out here. Well, he hated them. Did he really? Half a star. Yeah, he, I'm sure he hated the Godwins. It says Godwins came out waving the rebel flag. Animal has dropped considerable weight and looks in the best shape he's been since his return and maybe the lightest he's been in his career. Mm-hmm. But this was a pretty bad match with lots of botched spots. Yeah, the Godwins weren't famous or favorites of the dirt sheet guys. Never were. Even back when they were Shanghai Pierce and Tex Slazenger. Oh, I can't rem- I can't believe I remember those names. You nailed it, Bubba. Sure did. By the way, we should mention uh I don't know if this is out there. Like for mm. real for real. Well, Treading on some thin ice here, probably, but go ahead. I think our pals, Shoney's, is closed. No. Yeah. Because of COVID? Yep. Because of his health problems, maybe, too? Uh, I think it's because of COVID. Jesus. Oh, shit. Oh shit. I hate the world. I do. I hate the fucking world. Why are you? I hate the fucking world. You don't mean that. Don't. I do. I hate the fucking world. Why are you saying that though? Okay. You know what I'm just doing? I'm going out of town to Jacksonville, doing the shows, coming back here in the bat cave, talking with you and staying in the fucking bat cave the rest of my fucking life. And the world can Fuck me. Don't watch baseball anymore. Don't even, I I even removed ESPN from my phone. Don't listen to the news. Fuck the world. Hey, guess what? The world's burning. Don't give a shit. I'm in my room. I don't, to be clear, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like it's closed, like it'll be back. Oh, whew, good. I thought maybe he no, shut no, it no, down. No, 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 Okay, okay. He just posted this morning. Okay. We have closed this business due to COVID-19. We, ap- we appreciate your patronage over the last four years. It's done, son. No more. Hate the fucking world. There's Bob Collins. My God, look at Bob. Bob was a good guy, buddy. Good guy in the backstage area for, uh, I can't believe I remembered his name. Ooh, I must be. 
Well, I remember her name on the left and on the my right. My God, I wasn't paying attention. Oh. Sable on the right. This is my favorite Sunny outfit of all time. Oh, this is peak Sunny. Oh, dude. Wow, Mrs. Brock Lesnar looks pretty good too there. Son, step away. I know it's your moment. We want to see her. Come on. Look at look at Sunny. Holy smokes. Are you kidding, dude? Woo. Sonny is is the greatest of all time. Yep. By the way, this is a million dollar giveaway. Wow. It's in this casket. By the way, shout out to Sonny. Uh going through a tough patch. I think she's uh unfortunately uh, yep. at the crossbar motel again. Looking mm -hmm. forward to her being out again. When things get back to normal, if she's out, I think we can have some fun with her and one of our live shows or some sort of get together. She would is, love is hanging this, out with Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Is this Clint from Hershey when he was young? No. Okay. The way I know it's not is I think that would be his dad. That's definitely not. Oh, that would be his dad. Yeah. Yeah. It was Clint from Hershey. He'd probably end up destroying everything on the set there. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Now. They're going to start calling some people. Watch this. There's some great shots of Sonny here. Them already. And watch Pettengill. Oh, they're calling people on the phone. Okay. Yeah. Check out oh. Pettengill. Watch Pettengill right here. <laughs> Do it again, <laughs> You know what? He didn't do anything you wouldn't have done. Go. Oh. Yeah, I would have, I would have, uh, stayed with that one shot, so to speak, as my eyes would be in the camera, so to speak. This is kind of, uh, there's Bill Gates on the right too, apparently. Let me just tell you how much I hate Chris Candido. <laughs> we always talked about how much we loved him and how great he was right now. Yeah. I hate him. I hate him a lot. Yeah, right. I hate him so much. Mm-hmm. Look at man, she she knows how to stand too, doesn't she? She knows she knows how to do everything. <laughs> she, oh, Ms. Lesnar wanted to get to, in front of that. She knew she was standing quite well. We've got a winner. Stay right there. Don't move. We got a winner. <sighs> Tremendous. Good stuff. I um. Anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, my project. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are we not going to play? Do you have like some sort of sad song or something we can play? No. What are you I was talking about? Anyway, I've, I've gotten Lois involved in the project, which was a mistake. So, just let you know. You got something that you, that is Bill Gates on the right. If you got something that you, uh, that you want to put a lot of effort into, Take a moment. Don't Take a get moment here. We had big plans. Scott Steiner. And that Shoney's. Yep. We were going to do a big get together for our Patreon members. A couple private events. Who could forget when I read Yelp reviews and they threatened my life? Who could forget? They did a run in at StarCast and chased me away. 
Who could forget when we named him Ham Cubes? Now it's over. And the reason is, is because the world sucks. Sucks, I tell you. You kids who are growing up at this time, good fucking luck. You know, I got to eat at it one time. Yeah, we did too. Me and Lois and Paul Bromwell ate there and Paul's friend. Me and uh, Corey Ryan Forrester and nothing happening. Dave Silva. Jesus. We stopped by there on our way to uh, Jacksonville. Corey Ryan Forrester. Did he pick up the tab? What do you think? You always pick up the tab. He should have. What did he have? A cheeseburger and a milkshake? Yeah. Were you there? <laughs> well, he looks the cheeseburger milkshake type. Did he have his shirt on? Yes. Oh, God. I'm telling this thing is as long as a match. Yeah, but you know what? I ain't complaining. It's better well, than watching the fucking Godwins. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but. Meltzer would write, uh, this came off poorly, both conceptually and because of bad luck. It was never explained there would be a hundred keys to choose from and only one could open the vault. So the odds of actually giving away the million were pretty safe in the WWF's favor. On TV, it was certainly portrayed as if there was a good chance one million would be given away. To make it worse, they had to call two people live and embarrassingly for them, the first number was disconnected and the second didn't answer. And the third person was watching at home or wasn't home, but he wasn't watching the show. By the way, how is it that Sable looks different every time you see her? That's uh, Meltzer's report. And listen, I'm not, I'm not anti-Sable at all, but dude, Sonny was the bee's knees. No, no. Yeah. Sonny, uh, Sonny ruled these camera shots. Hmm. Man, I feel like we're like the sad news bears here today. We. Started off by announcing that I was sick, and then we talked about how Lois had fallen, mm-hmm. and now we've talked about how Shoney's is closed. Yeah. This has been rough so far. And how the world sucks. Uh, you need to stop saying that. No, I don't, because it does. Good luck to everybody. Good luck to all you young kids. You ain't got a prayer. Graduate from high school, get that diploma. Oh, everything's great. I got a great future ahead of me. Nope. You don't. Why are you saying that? Because it's true. Anyway, so I'm, uh, I'm certainly am, uh, enjoying what I'm doing here with you, my good friend. And certainly hope you get better soon so I can come over and deliver that belt to you. You ain't coming over. Yeah, maybe I'll bring Lois. Oh, no, that'd be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? Have to bring the two dogs too, if you don't mind. Please, all your two dogs play with my two dogs. Yeah, we we have to we have to drug Chewy though, because Chewy's uh, kind of high strung. Wouldn't if give, if, she, if she put her arms around me like that, I would think I've I've won it. That's that's better than a million dollars. Bill Gates not moving over there. Oh, there he moved. Yeah. Let's track it. Good old guard. Sable, let's see if that key indeed opens it up. 
If you had put number three in, the lock would have popped. Wow. The top would have opened, and you would have got one million dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, however, speaking of bad luck, Ken Shamrock had some real bad luck recently as well. Matter of fact, uh, it's uh, <laughs> luck that we saw last Monday when Raw was war and it involved. When Raw was war. Yeah, just, yeah. I, I love using past tense. I, I like that Vince got out of that thing as quickly as he could, didn't he? Now he knew, boy, this sucks. This was a yeah. good idea on paper, but our execution left a lot to be desired. Yeah. British Bulldog was a heel here? Yeah, he's part of Canada, remember? Oh, he's yes. Canada. Okay, I got that. Right. Hmm. We're going to have a... A match with these guys coming up next here. Star in three quarters, seven minutes and 29 seconds. It'll be a little blood in here. Ah, I love it. Hard way from the mouth meat. Man. But there is going to be some dog food involved. Oh, oh, dog food. Yeah. Like right there is dog food. He's the British Bulldog. Oh, got that. Yeah, now I'm thinking, that's what's what the fuck's a dog food for? Got it. He's the British Bulldog. So there's steaks here. See, every member of the uh, mm. Heart Foundation has stakes. Like, Brian Pillman was involved in a match where... Oh, stakes, got, as in something, as in, yeah. I thought you meant like the... Meat. Like like meat, like, you know, like filet mignon. Which, by the way, when we come over, I, I appreciate you cooking some steaks. Dude, I got... Have you had one of my steaks that I made here before? You have, I think. Yeah, I have. You, you're a good cook. You, uh, I know how to make a steak now. Come on. Yeah. You, you know how to make everything but turkey. Fuck um, you. <laughs> My turkey's way better than yours. No. No. The only problem is, and you know what? I just got Lois a new oven. Uh, and she'll never use it because she'll walk over to use the oven and open up the door and hit herself in the head with it or something like that. I don't know. I was wondering why you would even bother with that. Yeah. We're just trying to, uh, we're trying to, uh, upgrade the house here a little bit because this is our home. we got a sign in front of the house that Dave Silva designed for us. You know that? What does it say? It says celebrating 30 years at Chad's walk, Tony, Tony and Lois Shivani and family. It's in your yard. Yep. Sure is. Very proud of it. He designed it. I had it made at office depot. Or Office Max, or whatever they call themselves now. How big is it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, just your regular, you know, your regular sign that you would see for a uh, like a real estate listing. Yes, right. One of those signs. So it's like corrugated plastic or something. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. I love that you said Office Depot or Office Max or whatever they're calling themselves. Those are two separate businesses. No, they're one now. They they uh, they uh, they merged. Merged, yeah. I believe. I, I who fucking knows. I just Google office and one of it shows up and I go get what I want type thing. Well, Shamrock was fucking man, wasn't he? Whoa, buddy. Shamrock could be like Robert De Niro's cousin. Yeah, you're right. You had him at a star cast, didn't you? Great guy. Yeah, he was. Easy to do business with. Yeah. Highly recommend you do business with this guy. Yeah. Well, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be glad when, uh, well, I don't want to be this negative, but 
if you're able to do a star cast again, I'll be glad to see those happen again. Those were fun, man. I, and I know you were, I know you were stressed out of your fucking gourd and you were, you were difficult to deal with. You were a miserable prick at times. And I get that, you know, uh, it was like you walk in the room and everybody scatters because, Oh, here he is. He's going to fucking shit on somebody. But other than that, they were fucking fun looking back on it. Yeah. Everybody had fun, but me. Yeah, uh, I had fun putting it together, but then the actual yeah. event was just hell week. And that's because you don't, you don't trust anybody, but that's okay. I'm like you I don't trust not, anybody either. That's not true. That's why I, uh, that's why I edit these uh, podcasts together. I, I did say like, uh, three months ago, I said, uh, listen, let's have uh, Matt Coon and Dave Silva. Just go ahead and edit the podcast together. I'm going to. Wash my hands of it. You didn't even let week. them do it one week. One week. And then I looked and saw what they were doing. I said, fuck that. Put some fucking effort in your work. You pieces of shit. So anyway, so I'm like that, you know, I'm just like you. You want something done right. You do it yourself. But shamrock. Oh, fuck. That's a pretty good boot. So how much, uh, I got bug scratching on the door here to get in. Uh, how much, um, hmm. how many stars or lack of stars did this thing get? You want to guess? Probably got one and a half star and three quarters. Okay. So a little bit more, a little bit better than I thought. When we do these records in the early morning, I get into the bat cave. I put bug in bed with Lois and I come in here and shut the doors. And then when he gets up, he comes right straight to the bat cave. So she's got to let him in. We should mention here, believe it or not, that, uh, dude, love and stone cold are the tag team champions. They had just beaten British bulldog and Owen Hart. I, I, I didn't see uh, dude love. Maybe no. it wasn't dude love. I didn't see cactus come to the ring with the belt. Maybe he would have had to been dude love, right? To right. have the belt on. That's right. That was mankind. Uh, mankind is not a tag champ. Dude love is. Thanks for clearing that up. How long did how long did Shamrock? Give me some background on Ken Shamrock because I don't know. I just know that. I knew he was a, a shoot fighter or whatever you call it and was legit. And I know he worked for Vince for a time. How, how long did they use him? And did they, did they make some money with him? They did make some money with him. Uh, probably not as much as he would have liked, but he started, you know, dabbling in pro wrestling in like the late eighties, did some stuff over in Japan, but it really popped off here in America. Like his name did. Uh, during the UFC, which started in 93. So 93 to 96, he's sort of running roughshod over the UFC, one of their bigger draws. And then he decided to uh, try his hand at wrestling. Uh, he, I think they're showing him in the front row in like February of 97. And as you see here, you know, he's full-blown wrestling by like yeah. two months later, maybe, maybe April. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's off to the races, but he'd be out of there in like, uh, 
I don't know, sometime in late 99, maybe. It didn't last a terribly long time. Yeah, sounds like just a couple of years. But he had the he had the look, man. Oh, big time. Yeah. Those gloves and that, that big chest of his and well put together. Fuck. Whoa. Fuck, dude. Easy. Falling out of the ring and on the edge of those steps. You know, the UFC fell on real hard financial times. Eventually wound up selling. Dana White and the Fertitas wound up buying it. They were running way in the red. And their first profitable, like, major success was UFC 40. It was uh, titled Vendetta. And what drew the house and got all the attention was Tito Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock. They were doing pro wrestling style promos with each other on that show, uh, the best damn sports show period. And it really drew and worked. So he, mm-hmm. he, he left wrestling to go do that for a little bit. And then he would pop back up in TNA as we've seen and become their world champion. And for whatever reason, he never got another shake here. And I think, you know, part of that in more recent years was he was a part of a lawsuit. Right. And, uh, it's actually one of the only things we ever had to edit from our WWE network show. I was talking about how brutal that chair shot that the rock had on him was. And I guess that chair shot was specifically cited in a pending piece of litigation. So they came back and said, Hey, uh, show was great, but we got to clip this out. And I was like, why? Well, it's a part of a lawsuit right now. And we can't air anything discussing it right now on our program. I'm like, no, I, I get it. Yeah. That was one of the weird things about that whole WWE network experience. They said, say whatever you want. You know, we're going to have to bleep your F words, mm-hmm. but you can say them. We'll just bleep them. Say, but do whatever you want. There's yeah. no filter. But then, you know, occasionally we'd say something that was about pending legation, but hell, they didn't tell us, you know, I understand the rules. Oh, yeah. no. Like if, if you're going to, yeah. if, if, if people are suing, it can't be on your, like, duh, I get it. Like, tell me what that is. Yeah, it's some of their bullshit. Uh, plenty of bullshit. Uh, and dog food. You know what? You, you, you said something during, Oh, Jesus Christ, man. That was a real shot. You damn right. It was going to do it again. Fuck. Yes. You can't work that fucking can. You said something there that to me is, is the key to everything we do. Everything we do, and here's the key. When you were t- discussing the U- uh, UFC, Dana White, you, s- <laughs> you said did wrestling-style promos, and it really took off. Mm-hmm. That's what draws fans. Mm-hmm. It still does. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just don't see enough of them anymore. Taz is doing them, doing them well. MJF's Cody has done them. them. What's that? MJF's doing them. MJF's doing them. They, they still work. Oh, we'll do more of them. And I'm talking about not only us, I'm talking about everywhere. This scripted bullshit. Just, just, I'm telling you, it ain't fucking it. Just look at this, man. All the referees couldn't uh, take him, but they're, they're calling in for the crane.
Jesus. I think going to ask for the bell. That's going to work. So I take it this match is over. Here comes Tony Gurria. I love that. I love how they would try to ring the bell as if, as if it would make them stop. Meltzer wrote Smith threw dog food on Shamrock again, which caused him to go wild. He hit Smith with the dog food can outside the ring for the DQ in the ring. Shamrock went berserk, choking Smith out while all the officials tried to break it up. Finally, he broke the hole, but not before giving Patterson, Briscoe, and two refs a belly-to-belly suplex and walking off to a huge pop. So here it comes. Mm-hmm. Let's track it. I have pestered Bruce forever. Why did you not do more with this guy? Yeah. He could have been world champ. He could have been poised to be. I mean, the crowd was with him. He's believable. Yeah. Matches are good. Why, why, why? And Bruce could never give me a straight answer. I asked JR one time and got the truth. Wow. And so what's the truth? He wasn't reliable. He wouldn't show up on time. He would miss dates. Just no show, no show, no call. There you go. And I had a conversation with him and said, now, listen, Ken, you may not have known this, but this is the type of shit we can't deal with here. If we advertise you, you got to be there. If we promote you. You got to be there and sick or dead. You got to be there and you got to communicate with us. You can't just go miss and do what you want to do. I don't care if you got some old girl in this town or that town or whatever, you got to do your work. So I'm going to find you can't happen again. Then it happened again. So he said, all right, it's a much more substantial fine, but you need to understand if I can't count on you, we can't make plans for you. So I hope we don't have to have this talk again. And it happened again. And that was it. Hmm. Now we see Todd Pettengill in the back talking to uh, Sean Michaels. Track it. Just to get even with Brett, the Hitman heart. You know, I don't know how many times I have to address this. There is nothing between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Anything that was once there was settled last year at WrestleMania when I beat him. I am here to be an impartial, unbiased, fair referee. And nothing, nothing will get back, get past the keen eye of Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? I'm serious. Shawn Michaels says you're going to call it right down the middle. We'll find out. Well, he is going to call it right down the middle. He is. Yeah. Next up, though, we've got something I know you're really excited about. Yeah. The Los Bariquas. Ah, oh, man, I love the Los Bariquas. I, I had some at uh, Chipotle the other day. We're going to be taking on the DOA. Nine minutes and seven seconds. 
Yeah, my colon was DOA when I ate that. What do you think of uh, the vest and bow tie here from JR? Now that I know what I know, I love it. <laughs> I'm, sure, I, I'm sure he unpacked his bag. Mm -hmm. Got it all the way unzipped in the hotel, laid it open. Yeah. Saw those colors. Mm -hmm. and said, God damn it, Jan. <laughs> Look like a fucking Chiquita banana girl out here. Going to have the chairman with his fucking son on toupee talking shit. You think I ought to hit him on a, on an episode of damn, I ought to hit him on an episode of, uh, of dynamite say, JR, you need the, uh, the, you need the old tie and vest. Like you used to wear with all them colors. Please do that. Yeah. By, by the way, Tony, now's, uh, one of those things I warned you about at the top of the show. You gotta go pee pee. You're gonna have to do a couple minutes here by yourself. I'll be back. Okay. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you can have these bicycles as well. You can't have the guys on top, but those bicycles you can. Meanwhile, this is our sales staff. Exactly. If you say you don't want to finance with us or don't want one of these, we beat your ass. We'll put you in a car with all these folks and that real fat girl. And there's another. And this guy. He's our salesman. He's our head of our sales. He is our sales. And they'll come running in to help you out. Take a look at our service department. Oh, take a look at what happens if you fall on one of our bikes. You fall on one of our bikes, you fuck up our bikes, here's what we do to you. Come see us now. It is called Savio Vega's Bicycle Shop. I'm sorry, Motorcycle Shop. We have bicycles too. We also have big, bald, racist guys. Here, take a look at what happened yesterday when a guy said, hey, I didn't like the oil change. We rode in on these bikes. What do we do? We ran over the fucker, and then we carried him out. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the place to buy your motorcycles. Come on out to Raw Is War Cycle Shop and get your ass beat today. Well, that's about as good as I can do. Take a look at this. Man, these are the uh, disciples of apocalypse. Are these Los Borderecos? There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready-for-love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com.
You got the bikers against the Hispanics, a real racist tone of this thing that you couldn't do in 2020. And I get it. I couldn't. Well, they just, they just drove around and said, fuck it. We're not going to wrestle today. We're just going to leave. Oh no. They're parking their bikes outside. Got it. What a fucking entrance. I, they have, where are we going to park these fuckers here? No, there we parked two here. You parked two over there. Okay. We'll put a, we'll back them up. Okay, good. They're out of the way. Dun, dun, dun. Here they come. The disciples of the apocalypse. Oh, they go hit the ring. <laughs> oh, and the shit is on. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an eight man tag. Tim White, your referee. And they are throwing fish to far right now, man. One out, another out. He's out, two out. And the lords of whatever, of the uh, apocalypse disciples type guy, gimmick guys, have taken the Hispanic guys from Puerto Rico and thrown them out. So uh, one gets in and says, fuck it, I'm coming in. I'll give it. Oh, 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 fuck you. You want to come in? We'll take care of you. Now we have some decorum here. We actually have a eight-man tag. Who you got, DOA or Bariquas? Uh, I got Bariquas. Hmm. Uh, chat me up on who the Bariquas guy is. One is Savio Vega, right? One, yep. Rivera, right there. Jose Miguel Perez, ah, Junior, Jesus Castillo, and Jose Estrada. Jose Estrada. Is there any, uh, any relation to Chico Estrada? I don't know a Chico Estrada. Baseball had been very good to me. Oh. Little second baseman of the Mets. Got it. Juan Saturday Rivera, by the way, is the real life name of Savio Vega. Okay. So I know the Harris boys and I know, uh, Brian Adams. Yep. The Who's the other one? Is prime time. Brian Lee. Okay. Smoky Mountain Wrestling and then ECW. And then in 94, he played the fake Undertaker, where three years prior to this, the Undertaker wrestled the Undertaker. Oh. It was a million-dollar man version, and that was Brian Lee. That's Crush in the ring right now. Wow, Tilt the World Slam, nicely done. Fans don't really seem to into this nope, as much. Not. As, this should not yeah. have been on the show. There's Brian, primetime Brian Lee. He's known as the bulldozer once upon a time. Chokeslam artist. Had a big tables match with Tommy Dreamer of some fame in ECW. Sold a lot of videotapes. They're going to get some time here in their match. Nine minutes and seven seconds. Oh. Meltzer would say it was a brawl, but not a very pretty one. For whatever reason, the bikes didn't get the big pop coming out, and you can imagine what that meant for the match. Even though this was from the New York market, it didn't appear the Los Bariquas had any significant fan following, as one would think a Puerto Rican gang would have in that market. Absolutely. NOD came through the crowd at four minutes. The match totally fell apart at seven minutes. But NOD, the nation of domination, what, what Vince is trying to push here he wants gangs. Hmm. And he would even 
routinely say gang warfare. That was uh, one of the taglines for the Survivor Series. But the idea here is you got a biker gang, you got a Puerto Rican gang, you got Nation of Domination, which even though people will debate it, it was supposed to be a black gang. And then you've got the Canadian gang. And I can't help but wonder, is he thinking that all these gangs are necessary because of the success of the NWO? And does he think, well, fans must really want heat You've got multiple guys beating up on one guy and they want to have, you know, maybe we could have where they've just got one gang. We could have multiple gangs and multiple t-shirts and. Yeah. Well, you can't compare Brian Lee and Brian Adams and the Harris boys to, uh, razor diesel and Hogan. No, no shit. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing about, uh, the Puerto Rican fan base, it always was very important to New York. That's why Pedro Morales was a champion back then. Cause they really came out to wrestling and they, they really supported, uh, uh, the WWE at Madison square garden, but times have changed and damn, here we go, man. Got a couple of real badasses leading that crew, man. <laughs> Don't you, would you want to fuck with Ron Simmons or Godfather at all? No, man, you saw those motherfuckers coming. You just parted the red sea, let them through. Holy shit. I told you the story that at Starcast, where Ron almost broke my neck, didn't I? No. Yeah. You know, the little office you had there in the corner where guys came in and, you know, kind of checked in in Chicago. Yeah. In Chicago. Yeah. The first one, I think I hadn't seen Ron and I don't know when, and I opened the door and he was standing there. I think he was talking to Mrs. Mrs. Thompson and I kind of poked him. He turned around, looked at me, hadn't seen me in so long. And he fucking grabbed me by the fucking head and hugged me. And I'm telling you to the point where I almost went out. I went, damn. And he just laughed. He said, man, I hadn't seen you in so long. I went, oh God, he finally, like, I'm telling you, he didn't mean to, but the fucker was just. It's just like the day in uh, the day in uh, when we were at Revolution. Yeah. And I was I was in the back there and JR was was there with uh Hang on a second, I'll think of his name. He works for us. He's a member of the inner circle. Jake Hager. What the fuck? I was there with Jake Hager. And uh JR said, uh that uh, standing arm triangle, that's a shooting move. Jake, put it on Tony or show him how it feels. <laughs> I said, no, don't. He snapped it up. I went, fuck. You know, back in the old days, uh, Cowboy Bill Watts used to have wrestlers put the holds on the announcers. As JR told me that, because he wanted the announcers to know what it felt like. So when they described the pain, it was accurate and it was authentic. And I, I got to thinking, no, I'll just make it up. Put the hold on the announcers. You ever had a real wrestling hold put on you? Yeah. Really? Who did it? Uh, my friends. Oh, no, I'm talking about by one of these wrestlers. Oh, no. No. I mean, I've, I've, a, I've been flare chopped more times than I can count. Yeah. We, I'm, we're going to need Jake Hager to put the standing arm triangle on you. Nope. Because it, 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 he, it, it, he gets into it so easily and so smooth. 
you thinking, nah, it's just going to be a, <laughs> what the fuck? I'm going to hit him with that, uh, that Rocky five. What's the Rocky five? Touch me and I'll sue. <laughs> I'm going to have Dawkins just jumping around behind me. Yeah, yeah, touch him and we'll sue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Dawkins is too much, man. Where would our life be without Mike Dawkins, huh? Well, I'd have more money. <laughs> Fewer sheets of framed paper. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because, you know, I talk to him every week, and every time every time he texts me something, uh, because, you know, I mean, not only because he's a lawyer, but he really is a, a just a genuinely good guy. You don't find many genuinely good guys who are lawyers. That's one thing. Uh, but every time I text him or talk to him, I said, are you charging me for this discussion? He said, you'll get my bill. And then, you know, we all go, ha, 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 he's being funny. He's not. No, no, the bill comes. The bill comes. <laughs> he's, he's not being funny. He's being legit. And you think, oh, we're just being pals here. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I got one the other day for five figures. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It was funny though, because when he was here, you know, he came down for summer scam. Mm -hmm. So when he got ready to leave, I said, Megan, do you have his folio ready? She said, I do. I just need to ask him a couple questions. And Dawkins looks at her and he's like, questions. And she's like, uh, yeah. Did you look out the window while you were here? Cause that's extra. <laughs> I know you used the pool on three occasions. That's extra. <laughs> I, I heard the bidet going at least three occasions. That's extra. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Good. Cause he probably would have probably charged you for making an appearance in summer scam. I'm sure he did. There it is. Yeah. was yeah, pick up the win nation of domination with Ahmed Johnson has always felt weird to me. Yeah. Next up though. One of the most notable matches you've ever heard about. Uh-huh. Stone Cold Steve Austin for the Intercontinental title with Owen Hart. Owen Hart is the Intercontinental champ. He's putting his title on the line. But if Steve Austin can't beat him, he has to kiss his ass tomorrow night hmm. on Raw. And during Interesting. The, during Interesting. the course of the match, Owen Hart is going to damn near paralyze Steve Austin. and They have to improvise. And the course of wrestling history changes forever. In the next match. So this is where Stone Cold gets hurt. Bad. As badly as a shoot. Okay. 16 minutes and 16 seconds. It's a good match up until that point. Meltzer gave it two and three quarter stars. He says the two were having by far the best match on the show before the injury cut the match short. And then our main event, it's plenty of time. 28 minutes and nine seconds. It picks up three stars. Everyone agrees that was the best match. On the show, when it came to the Wrestling what? Observer Reader poll, Brett and Undertaker got 76 votes. Austin and Owen got 42 votes. Mankind and Hunter got 23 votes. Everyone agreed, though, this Los Bariquas DOA match, this was the worst. Yeah, that, there's nothing going on here. No, nothing anybody wants to see. Right, nothing anybody wants to see. Wow. History-changing match. I love I love this stuff. Forever. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't love the fact, obviously, that he... All right, that, here, let's, oh. let's track it here so you can hear the story. Okay. I was the man to beat Stone Cold Steve Austin.
I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I can all wrestle him. Stone Cold Steve Austin has been handcuffed. They better put leg arms on him too or he'll kick somebody else's ass. I was the man that pinned his shoulders to the mat for one, two, three. I can't believe he's making hand gestures. And he's handcuffed. He doesn't give a damn. You can put my arms behind my back, but you can't shut up the fingers. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. If I cannot beat Owen Hart at SummerSlam after the match, when he pins me one, two, three, if that happens, he can pull down his trunks, pull down his little panties, bend over and I'll kiss him right on his ass. The odds are that uh, I can beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I beat him twice before. And with my Intercontinental title on the line, I can guarantee I can beat him again. I'll kiss his ass if I can't kick it, and that's the way it's gonna be. You better pucker up, son, because at SummerSlam, you're gonna kiss my ass. Hey, hey, hey. And ladies and gentlemen, yes, we're live. SummerSlam from sold out. Continental Airlines Arena, heart and soul. And here comes Owen Hart, being greeted by some 20,213 WWF fans. I'm ready. Yeah, I am too. Did uh, the injury, did it change the finish? Yeah, it did. It did, uh, but it didn't change who was going to go over. They couldn't because they didn't want this, you know, badass character who said he would kiss Owen's ass. Right. He can't kiss Owen's ass. Well, one would think he can't. Well, he doesn't. They call an audible here. I think Steve has said that he has this intercontinental title here in his safe. He still has a handful of his belts and he has this one. And I loved that Owen really made the slammies work. Whereas for everybody else, it was just a one-off TV show. He started carrying it to the ring and then called himself a two-time slamming award winner, but bringing it to the ring every day, even having it on his tights, this is good stuff. And you see him working on that top turnbuckle. Look at this uh, Mike Tyson shot of Steve Austin. Let's track this entrance here. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to put your reputation on the line tonight? You would have to kiss Owen's backside if you lose in front of all these people. 20,000 people, a million people out there on pay-per-view. Mr. Austin, are you ready? Just what? You're fixing to kiss my ass. You're going to get your little ass out of my face. You got that? You and your stupid little boat. You don't impress me none, you little piece of trash. Michael, or perhaps a little overzealous there, and doesn't know Stone Cold all that well. Uh, Man, a few words. Yeah. But one of them is uh, A-double-S. <laughs> Whoops. Don't ask me why they love him, but they sure do. He's as ornery as a rattlesnake.
They're off to the races, man. What a hot start, huh? Yeah, not only a hot start, what a fucking entrance. Yep. Big time. God almighty. I mean, still today, you look at this and you think, this is the way it should be. I mean, th- this is, this is what, this is, hell, he's the best ever. Ever. God almighty. And this is one of the guys that you may think of back then, and we're talking 97 when, you know, kayfabe wasn't completely exposed, but you, you, you think, you know, this motherfucker's real. The look, the scowl he has on the face, the walk, the way he walked, the cockiness, the birds kiss my ass. You know, he just come in and just pop a bird to your opponent, turn your back on him and go to the turnbuckles. It was, I'm sorry I missed it. But I'm glad I'm getting to relive it right now. Because it is top notch. It really is. Swagger is real. You know, yep. like, right. I know that's sort of a new age word, but when you have that ultimate confidence, and, and he does here, man, he's just, he's feeling it. And when he's feeling it, it's easy for the fans to feel it with him. It's like the old George Costanza on, on Seinfeld. He used to say, it's not a lie if I believe it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same thing. Stone Cold or Steve Williams here believes he is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. And because he believes, guess what? The fans do too. Yeah. I know he had, I know he has done some movies. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I'm just surprised that he wasn't groomed better to be a movie star. Well, here's the other thing that is worth mentioning. I don't, I mean, I don't know this to be true. Okay. But this motherfucker made so much money. So much money. I mean, JR has has said before on grilling JR that he made something like he had $15 million years just on t-shirts. So when you really process that and you had to deal with all the politics and all the bullshit of wrestling, not just the good, but the bad, sure. The travel, sure. The injuries, but just, yeah, you know, you have your, in your mind's eye, what you should be doing. And you know, you, the boss disagrees. And then there's other people who have their influence and they're pushing in different directions. And I don't know. If it's that bad in wrestling, can you imagine how bad it is in Hollywood? And I don't oh. know. I've never had a conversation. I'm not like great friends with Steve. We're polite and friendly. And whenever he does something cool, I text him and whatever. But it's, it's, uh, I just imagine you get to a point where you're like, fuck that bullshit. I don't have yeah. to have it. I'm not doing it. Like once upon yeah. a time I had to put up with this to, to get to the point in my life where now I've got the freedom to say, I've got some fuck you money. And if some fuck you money means, Hey, we want you to do this. Fuck you. I don't want to, I have the ability. I can afford to say no. So I imagine there's probably just a lot of bullshit that he was like, nah. And so when things fall in his lap and it's easy and it's on his terms, well, okay. But you get to a point where you're like, man, this money sure. It's probably bought me a couple of nice houses and nice cars, but really it's afforded me the opportunity to just have peace of mind and say i get to do just what i want to do and i don't have to do anything and that's priceless yeah well said i i i agree with all of that and i agree with it because i know about 
uh, wrestling politics from the past, and, and I know what they can do to you. Uh, they can take a, they take a job that you got into and that you loved and make you hate it. So I get all that. And obviously, he's got plenty of money. And yeah, I get it. But it just seemed to me, I mean, he did, uh, on the other, and, and I get why you, the reasons why you think um, that he stepped away from it and is not in Hollywood. But if I'm thinking, if I'm a producer or a director, I look at that guy and say, man, this guy's an action, this guy's an action hero, you know? Hell, Vin Diesel? Fuck. They got a guy like Vin Diesel doing shit, and you got a guy like Steve Austin? Come on. Again, though, Vin was willing to play those bullshit games in order to make it in that space. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's the you know, it's one of the reasons I don't want to do anything in wrestling for real, like. Yeah, when because been, of the bullshit. When, when there have been yeah. things pitched, it's like, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it'd be one thing if it's like, oh, I gotta go do that so I can feed the kids. That's not my situation, so yeah. I don't want to. No, you're you're doing it right. You are involved in wrestling, but you are on the outside. And you as, are, and as a result, I get to kind of do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And if I do something in that world, that's not yep. the case anymore. Now I'm dictated to and. Fuck, man, I don't want to deal with the aggravation mm-hmm. and politics and who thought what. As, it, as of right now, I don't make a shit what anybody thinks. I get to do what I want to do. Right. And you got such great people working for you like Dave Silva, Clint from Hershey. I mean, you got it made. By the way, what a great spot this is that Owen's doing. Wrapping him up in the ropes, working on the fingers. Oh, and he untangles himself. Boy, those ropes are really loose, man. Good God. A lot of hard feelings after the after this match. With each other? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Austin says they had a specific conversation. He wrote about this in his book. Where they're talking about the tombstone spot that's going to hurt him. And he says, you do that dropping to your knees, right? And, he's, and Owen says, no, I dropped to my ass. And he thought he was ribbing. And he says, you go to your knees, right? And he says, no, I go to my ass. But Owen had a reputation of being a guy like his brother, Brett, who would never, ever, ever hurt you. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure Steve thought a, he was ribbing or B, he knew how to do it. And sure enough, you're going to see it did not go as well as either man would have hoped. And Austin's going to land directly on his neck and be in a bad way. And on the heels of this, not only is Austin's wrestling career threatened because he is one of the hottest characters on the program. You can see just from the reaction here. I mean, at this point, the plan for WrestleMania the following year was still probably, I don't know this, but it's still probably Sean and Brett, but you got to figure Austin would be doing something with undertaker or somebody, right? They just know, Hey, he's going to be one of our pillars one of our top four guys because historically the company always tries to have like four guys at about the same level so they can have big matches and they know he's going to be one of those guys and it didn't look like you know it was a a for sure thing but he's going to be able to continue to wrestle 
and he's gonna i mean he still has lingering effects from this injury today and what we're watching is 23 years old so anyway i wouldn't have supposedly never called and tried to check on him which in wrestling protocol is if you hurt a guy you check on him some yeah guys, some guys go to the hospital with them some guys you know just call and check on them some guys you know carry their bags whatever they can like hey man i'm sorry right just trying to and here's the thing everyone loved owen owen was known to yeah. be the nicest most jovial polite family man ever and a good-natured ribber not like a mean ribber not like right. cut your clothes up type shit but just funny ha-has and just regarded as being one of the great genuine guys in wrestling so i think austin was really bitter towards him and had a lot of resentment because of the injury and the fact that he didn't check on him and i think the deal with owen was he knew that steve was upset and he just didn't want to make it worse so he was trying to just stay out of the way. But also, too, it's probably a unique spot for Owen because Owen's never hurt anybody. Yeah. And it's probably one of those deals where, like, if you find out, if you realize it's somebody's birthday four days ago, do you text them now and say, happy, happy birthday four days ago? Or do you yeah. just say, ah, fuck. I'm just programming it in my phone I won't mess next year because you don't want to be a dick because you just remember. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It does make sense. You feel bad about not remembering, and you just try to let time heal it. And unfortunately, that didn't happen because, as yeah. we know, in less than two years, Owen's gone. Yeah. I, I need to read Austin's book. Oh, we're getting close. Look at all this. Matt wrestling, that bridge. Yeah. So it happened in the ring, right? Oh yeah. Okay. I thought maybe I saw him on the outside. I thought maybe they tried to do it on the, on the floor or something. You know, what sucks too is nobody really ever talks about this, but Steve Austin delivered a, a pile driver that same way that he's going to receive this one. It's a tombstone pile driver, but instead of dropping to your knees, you drop to your ass. Right. And Austin in his book and in an interview said he really pressed Owen. Like nobody does it like that. Everybody knows that. But then someone a few years ago popped up some tape from when Steve was doing a tour in Japan, maybe 94, 95, I forget. But he did that same tombstone pile driver to his ass, Tomasahiro Chono. Oh. Yeah, leave it to somebody to try to contradict what you say. That going to happen. That's the world we live in, and it sucks. Well, but the point is... The move has been done before. It's not sure. like Owen just created something on his own here. Right. And this Got is it. worth mentioning. Fucking accidents happen. And you have to ask yourself, or at least I wouldn't, and who am I to say this? Because it didn't, I wasn't the one injured. But I think anytime there is an injury, you ask yourself, hey, was that on accident or was that on purpose? And if you maliciously hurt me, okay, well, now we got a fucking problem. But if it was just a legitimate accident, well, goddamn. And I understand the protocol. You know, I even, a uh, little peek behind the curtain, even today when someone gets hurt, 
or, you know, when someone does something crazy and you see them with the doctor later, I always go in and check on them after the show's over. And I even, uh, even, uh, text guys that w- because these guys, man, even more so now put their fucking lives on the line and their careers on the line. One missed spot, one crazy thing. You know, like when the Bucks went up and did that uh, double spot on the tables on uh, Butcher and Blade. Yeah, I got in touch with Matt and Nick and uh, and Butcher and Blade the very like the following week to see how they were doing. I text all four of them because guys, I appreciate what you're doing for us to make it a great show, but come on. Well, and then and then I just come off as an old, crotchety old, you know, old school motherfucker doesn't like those spots. I love those spots. I worry about guys. I do. Russian leg sweep. Well, we must be getting close here, right? You were texting somebody on Thursday night or Friday morning then. On your little Thursday taping this past week. Mm. Well. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. We can't say anything, but. No, yeah. Um, no, I actually, I saw him afterwards. Yeah. I know. Had a bad day again. <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? I want to give you a peek behind the curtain. Me right. and you, uh, you, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't see that you texted me yesterday, say uh, yesterday morning, I guess around ten thirty, saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. uh, can you record?" Mm-hmm. I'm ready anytime. I thought we had set up today and yesterday. My phone absolutely blew up because, unfortunately, I lost my favorite uncle. You did? He passed away yesterday morning at 4 a.m. I'm so sorry. He was my wrestling uncle. He was the guy who would come over and watch Saturday night's main event with me and Mm -hmm. took me to wrestling shows, even took me to some ECW shows when I was a kid, you know, not able to drive yet. Um, Yeah, and he's uh, he's gone. You you know his uh, boys real well because they've worked some of the star cast, Clint and Derek, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was only uh, 56 years old, and he's no longer with us. So, I think Clint came to my house with you, didn't he? He did, yes, sir. Yeah, right. his dad, my mom's brother. I'm so sorry. No longer with us here. It's kind of like my uncle John, who got me into wrestling, and then he died in July of, of '83, and my first te- television appearance was October of '83. So he never saw here me doing is. wrestling. There it is. Oh my God. He's telling him right now, I'm fucked. Yeah. I'm fucked. Look at his legs. He can't move them. Uh-huh. Owen's trying to think about what to do next now. Yeah, the referee is trying to communicate with him. His arms can move, but he can't feel anything legs down. He's thinking of Christopher Reeve right now, the guy who played Superman. Right. He had most famously just been paralyzed. Uh-huh. Uh, doing some uh some horse activities. And now you see Owen doing what he can to try to get the heat from the crowd. And they're trying to come up with anything. Anything. Meltzer would write. Super heat early. Hart started the match working on Austin's right hand, biting it, spreading the fingers, and all kinds of gross tactics. Also made a comeback with a stun gun, 
a power bomb and a clothesline over the top rope. Hart was willing to walk out to save the title, but Austin ran the aisle and clotheslined him from behind in the ring. Hart took control once again with a belly to belly and a neck breaker. Hart, who totally dominated the match since he was supposed to be doing a clean job in the end, worked on Austin's neck and they acknowledged in commentary that Austin had a previous neck injury. Eventually, Hart then reversed an Austin move and dropped him into a tombstone pile driver where Austin was injured. At this point, Hart tried to stall for time until Austin could maneuver his way into doing a quick finish, which flattened the match out. The two were having by far the best match on the show before the injury cut the match short. Man. Well, you know, he, he maneuvered over to get it done. You going to look, track some of this? The world's worst roll-up. And you yeah. see it's... They probably shouldn't be moving him around like this, knowing what we nope. know about neck injuries now. now. He's trying to move himself around too. No, because he doesn't want to look like this in front of this crowd. He wants to be the guy he came in yeah. here with. He can't stand up. No. He tried to stand just that time, and his left leg just gave right out. You can see the way his toes are moving, like. Wow. You could see on the, there you go. You could s stay with it, buddy. You could see on the tombstone pile driver, his head hanging sticking, low. Yeah. Hanging low. And you know, in football, they would just say, oh, he just had a stinger. Now that we know what we know though, we're like, uh, look at that left leg dragging that left leg. See him bad dude. Yeah. Wow. But here's the thing. I'm not going to say that this is a blessing that it happened, but I'm not going to say that it's all bad either because you have to appreciate, and here comes the pile driver right here. We'll see another shot of it. Watch his head sticking out below. Mm -hmm. Bam. And then the world's worst roll up here. Yeah. But you know what? The fans would still pop for it. I had to do something. Yeah. They still pop for it. And Austin had heat with Owen because Owen tried to kick out at three. Hmm. But, you know, I mean, in traditional wrestling protocol, if you get me with a cheap roll-up finish, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. But Austin, at that point, was very sensitive about the injury, rightfully so. So you say you were, you were saying uh, that uh, it was a bad injury, but what, what came up? Let's, uh, let's track this, and we'll talk about it. Here we go. So we get ready for our All main right. event. Roll in the WWF. But has the hitman's patriotism led to insolence and overconfidence? Thank you for letting me still be your hero. If I don't come to Canada with that World Wrestling Federation Championship belt, I will never, ever wrestle on American soil ever again. And that is a promise. You said that if you don't win the World Wrestling Federation Championship at SummerSlam, you'll never again wrestle on American soil. That's what you said. The most awesome force in the history of the World Wrestling Federation stands in Bret Hart's way. A phenom whose tenacity and vengeance has overcome every obstacle faced. A man who proudly carries the torch of distinction, the WWF title. But in the largest spectacle of the summer, the Hitman will confront much, much more. The Undertaker and Bret 
Generation Championship, and I will be the special referee. If I lean towards the Undertaker's side, I also will not be able to wrestle in the United States. WWF title match of the year. Pride, power, and conflict will rule. If the dark side prevails, a fallen idol will face exile. And if this man has his way, that possibility will become reality. And yes, there you So there you go. The stage is set for our main event. We should mention the, the knock on WCW in this era was the undercard was the superior wrestling. You know, you guys had great workers like Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero and Dane Malenko and Chris Benoit and Ray Mysterio. Right. Obviously, all the luchadors. You just had a much better undercard. But the main events were usually Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper type affairs. Yeah. So the WWF, they're not going to give you strong undercard maybe as far as the bell to bell action it'll be stronger on story maybe but maybe not in ring performance but the main event well that's where guys like Shawn michaels and brett hart could really steal the show and they give them a lot of time i mean we're telling the big story with the big video package and then bell to bell it's a 28 minute match so tons of time here to do their thing do you think that's a fair criticism that the wwf had a stronger main event yeah, I, th I think so. I, I think our main event was strong because of name, but not necessarily because of storyline and a good match. I mean, let's face it, Hulk Hogan and Sting, which was supposed to have been our greatest match ever, ends up being remembered as a fucking clusterfuck. Right. And Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Did, did Lawler just tell a kid to go fuck off there? That was tremendous. He told kids to fuck off all the time. <laughs> I think he wrote something on a piece of paper and showed it to the kid. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, wow. How well, what, the the Montreal screw job in relation time wise to this show? When was it? It was in November. This is August. So oh, sa same year though. Three okay, month, three months later. Okay. 
So anyway, yeah. the uh, my theory on the Austin thing. Oh, you know what? Let's let's track some of the entrances here so you can get a feel for the pop. Thirty-four pounds. can tell the fans are sort of split i mean because he was their top baby yeah. face for years and years and years right but now he's a bad guy only here in america a good guy everywhere else in the world waving that canadian flag just to really mm-hmm. make sure everybody knows i'm not with you motherfuckers yeah yeah the reaction was not the course of booze that you would think a heel would get We're going to be taking on The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels is your special guest referee. Let's see what Brett's going to say here. Let's track it. I'd like everybody to stand back and listen to the Canadian National Anthem. I just want to dedicate this match to all my fellow Canadians, to all my fans all over the world that feel the same way as I do about America and Americans. This is for you. Brad Hart asking for the Canadian national anthem. To be played. How great is that? How old school heat is that? Yeah, that is good. So anyway, my, my theory on how this was actually better for Steve. Steve is now not able to defend the Intercontinental Championship. So they're going to wind up stripping it. But in order to do that, he's going to have to be confronted by some authority figure like Jim Ross, like Sergeant Slaughter, Mm -hmm. commissioner at the time, like Vince McMahon. And one by one, they all catch stunners. So even though Austin can't wrestle, they've still got to find a way to keep him on TV. So he becomes this rebellious, anti-authority figure who goes on a tear every week, stunning these authority figures. And they take that intercontinental title, essentially a mid-card belt away from him. And what do you know, by the time he's back up and running and healed again, it's time to win the Royal Rumble, shove Mike Tyson, jump in the main event, and become world champion. But had he not been injured, would they have put him in that storyline where he's stunning Vince McMahon in Madison Square Garden, et cetera, et cetera? No, he would have been wrestling. So I just think this really cemented him as a superstar in a weird way. So I'm not saying that anybody would hope to be hurt. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying, boy, it sure did work out. Didn't it? Yeah. And I think credit needs to be uh, given to 
events, writers, Austin, everybody involved in that to come up with something for him in the face of this that really worked. You want to talk about heat? Here comes Shawn Michaels. Let's track a little bit of this. Any individual feel as though Shawn Michaels personifies the exuberance in America's youth today. Just a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit cocky. I think you could take Shawn. We've been talking about swagger a lot today, but I think you could take. Sean here from like June of 97 all the way through to March of 98 where he's going to drop the belt to Steve Austin and then wind up leaving. And you could compare that against anybody's work. Mm. In-ring work, promo, just he was feeling it. Right. This guy was the guy. And here, just, you know, as a referee, you can tell he's feeling it. Yeah, man. It's different. Wow. Great entrance. Wow, man. And a, look at that uh, spotlight in the back. looks like. Yeah, man. It's good shit. We need to watch more of this stuff, you know? Man, I love 97. I love this show in particular. I was at the height of my fandom right here, man. Yeah. I want to I see the screw job. I want to see. And then, of course, um, now in the future dead ahead of these guys is the, uh, stone cold versus Mr. McMahon story. That's right. Which is to me still the greatest, if not the greatest angle, one of the greatest angles ever. Mr. McMahon becomes a character in three months after he screws Brett and Steve Austin and him really get tied up in a major way in September, two months at, well, just a month and a half after this with the stunner, but it gets to a fever pitch during. Uh, the night after the Royal Rumble with Mike Tyson, you know, McMahon yelling, you ruined it, you ruined it, damn it. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the day after WrestleMania, he tries to make him his corporate champion. We're off to the races. A month later, believe it or not, the 83 weeks comes to an end, and the magic bullet is Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon. Mm -hmm. By the way, we should mention, coming up next week here on the show, we're going to be watching another show from the summer of 97. This time it's the ECW pay-per-view hardcore heaven, 1997 Jenna Jameson, one of your favorite actresses and mine. She's on that card as well as Sabu and Shane Douglas and Terry Funk. And well, I think the thing you'll enjoy the most is Lawler, Tommy dreamer mm -hmm. just because of the story, but lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, we should remind everybody on the 19th of August, we're going to cover Clash of the Champions 33, which is Hollywood Hogan and Ric Flair. And then we'll watch on August 26th, the debut episode of ECW on TNN, their very first time that they've got national television, no longer syndicated tapes. They've got a real television deal and Raven is going to be returning in a surprise twist as the Dudley boys finish up on the very special TNN national debut. Here's the spooky entrance for the undertaker. Let's track a little bit.
There ain't nobody like him. No, that's 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 a great that's that's one of if not the best entrance. It is his entrance. It's the best. You know, one of the things I was thinking about as we track some of the theme songs today, whether it was Stone Cold or it was Bret Hart or it was The Undertaker, that is one of the big advantages that the WWE had over WCW. Wouldn't you agree? Just oh yeah, their their soundtrack just felt, for lack of a better word, bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the when you heard the glass break. Yep. And the Undertaker's music. I mean, our our NWO theme was good. You knew what was happening there, but that was about it. And flares, which is iconic, and but you're right. Overall, the entrances were 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 better. We're done much better. All right, so they've uh, they've milked this these entrances quite a while with the Canadian national anthem and and all that, and they're still going to go thirty minutes, huh? Yeah, right. Twenty eight minute match here, but you know what? I don't know that these guys could have a bad match. Oh yeah, they can do it. Sure, these kids can do it. It's crazy to think about in this era, too. This is only Undertaker, who's been here since 1990. This is only his second title run. Hmm. You know, he beat Hogan very early on in 91. And uh, then he would beat Sid here in the main event of 97. But that wasn't the original plan. The original plan was these two guys, Sean and Brett, part two. Do you have that belt? That belt you have? No, I don't have that particular one. I do have some ring used leather off of a uh, winged eagle championship, and I've got new plates on it. And I love that belt design. It's my absolute favorite belt ever, as far as design wise. That's the all gold version. I prefer it dual plated. I love this version of Brett too. I think his tights here, his overall gear look is the coolest that it ever was. Sean's dressed like a fucking goof, though, is he not? <laughs> With the uh, sleeves cut out and everything? Yeah. And, like, combat boots that are pants <laughs> are tucked in. and He's got some referee stripes around his wrists instead of wrist tape. It's just weird. Yeah, you and I need to go. I know we, we've got the whole year planned out. I get it. And I think it's some good stuff that we got, but... We need to we need to watch more of this WWE era. This 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 sounds I mean it's it's, it's your uh, you're a fandom I get it and I and I know why because there's some good things that happened within a year here, some iconic things like Steve Austin coming in with the beer truck right did that happen within the year? Uh, no, that happened a little later. But okay, but still, I mean, just good shit. The Stone Cold era is what you're referring to. That's right. Yeah. The stone cold era. And I, I really would love to have one of those ring skirts. I don't know how you display a ring skirt. I've had a couple over the years. I had an old Crockett one. I had a raw as war one, but they're so fucking big. It's like, where are you going to, I mean, seriously, I do have a couple of rooms where I can hang it up, but do you want to really hang a ring skirt in your house? Put it across front of your house. Yeah. Just out front in the yard, like a fucking goof who's. Yeah. Puts a sign out there that says celebrating 30 years in this house. That's a good, you think that's a goof move? Oh my God. You're such a fucking sitcom dad. I'm a sitcom dad. You are. No, I'm not, that's not a bad thing. I was talking to yeah. Andy Kingston about that the other day that 
oh, by the way, he's got real heat with you. I don't know that you know that. Yeah, fuck him. How's that sound? Well, he's already told me that part of his deal, mm-hmm. with, you know, because he had to go back and forth on his contract like everybody does these days. And he said the biggest provision he was looking for is he's going to have a match with you. Yeah, No, I ain't getting anywhere near his ass. He's already told me sound? he's putting your ass through a table, and it's over one thing in particular. He says, Dairy, he says, Dairy Queen sucks. And I told him, I said, Eddie, I consider us friends, but God yeah. damn it. Then there's fighting words. I'm going to let you run around here and disparage the good goddamn name of Dairy Queen. He was backstage the other day with a New York Knicks jersey on. He was talking to Santana and Ortiz. Wait, I walked did, up did, and the only, only thing I said, I said, Hey guys. Did you guys know the New York Knicks fucking suck? And I just kept walking. <laughs> uh, then I hear that gravelly voice. Shivani, you and I are just getting started. Oh, I got a lot of time for that kid, man. Dude, I'm so happy for him. I am too. In, in real life, I'm happy for him. Yeah. He, I just, he just good having him backstage, man. He's got so much energy and just good, just good stuff. The word is passion. Passion, yeah, he, and there, there's passion. there's no, there's another kid who's like that too, and that's that I like and different personality completely. But uh, Ricky Starks, oh yeah, totally. Another great, another great sign, man. We 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 picked up some good kids. Ricky Starks is going to be a big star. Yes, he is, because he can do a promo, can do a good, and Eddie can do a promo too. But you know what? The difference between we talked earlier when when Steve Austin was coming out there, and we talked about swagger. And you said, man, this guy's one of the fucking best ever. And Tony, you said that before the bell rang. You said that before he threw a punch, before he did mm-hmm. a move. Right. He felt like he was the best ever because of his swagger, his confidence. Mm-hmm. And he believed, Steve Williams believed he was Stone Cold. And goddamn, Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston believe they are. Yeah. That, that's that belief and that passion that comes through that, you don't have to know their story. You can just see it. And I was catching Megan up on some of his stuff. She met him before at one of our StarCast events, and we had a couple beers together. And I was in fan mode because it was the first time I'd really hung out with Eddie, and I'd been watching him on DVD for, goddamn, like almost 20 years. And he listens to our podcast, but I didn't know that really until we were hanging out right then. So I mean, he knew all of our inside shit on the show and blah, blah, blah. So it was cool, but... When he got signed this week, Megan and I were hanging out and I said, Hey, watch this video. And it was funny because we were doing it at the boot, you know, my watering hole that we go to and Mm -hmm. the bartender came around and was watching on my phone at the same time, because dude, when he does a promo, he ain't pretending that shit's real. Yeah. Now we just got to get old Mancer down there. Why don't you put in a good word for old Mance? Hmm. Well, I put in my good words. Oh, for Mance? Yeah. Good. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Gimmick's I good, put, talks good, works yeah. good. I like him. I put in good words for him. You know, the good brothers I did, obviously, because they're my friends. I put in good words for Matt Cardona, because he's a friend. You can't- <laughs> I love that you felt like you needed to put over... Cody's fucking shoot best friend. Well, I know that, but I, no, but I, I, but I did. I mean, I, I I think that 
you know, when it comes right down to it, Cody doesn't do the hiring. Right, 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 right. And and I think that if you have more than one voice put a kid over, I think it's 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 good. And and I and I put Matt over because not only because he's obviously he's had plenty of exposure and uh, is good in the ring, but you're not going to find a better kid. Ask anybody who's ever worked with him. Always on time. Always does the right thing. Doesn't cause trouble in the back. Who are you talking about? Matt. Oh, Zach Ryder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still weird about calling him Matt. Yeah, me, yeah, me too. He's even in my phone as Zach. So you keep saying yeah. Matt. And I'm like, who the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, no, I'm talking about Zach Ryder. Great guy. Yes, it's, one of the best. It's funny because somebody was like trying to explain to me. Oh, I know who it is. I won't say though. But they were like, uh, oh, man, he's a really nice guy. And just going on and on and on. And, <laughs> and I just let him go. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, he's great. And so, but I mean, it was like a five-minute dissertation introducing me to him. But I didn't stop him. I didn't correct him or anything. I get a text the next day that says, hey, motherfucker, I forgot he was at your house. You could have told me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, I mean, but Zach's been listening to our shows like, man, I think he was like our first wrestler who listened to. Yeah, something to wrestle and he was putting us over early so we were loading him up with shirts and he would come to live shows and i got to hang out a couple of times just a great guy but people were so excited that he was there that they couldn't wait to tell me that oh he's so awesome yeah and i just i'm, I'm not going to cut it off and say i know shut up leave me alone so just, <laughs> yeah put him over he's great yeah i didn't know this is shows you how much i really don't know about backstories i thought when he did all of his stuff online to be seen, you know, cause I mean, it's, it's well documented. He, he did a lot of YouTube stuff, right? He got himself over baby by right. himself. Right. I thought that he owned the name Zack Ryder. So I asked Cody, I said, can we use Zack Ryder? He said, no, WWE owns that. I said, they do. And that kind of disappointed me. So, but anyway, he is who he is. Whatever his name is, he's tremendous. He looks great now and it's good. Now we got. Uh, Paul Bear coming out here. You got it. This is heavy on story. So as a reminder, uh -huh. he's been teasing. I've got this deep, dark secret. Let's re remember now, one year prior, after being together since, I don't know, early 91 through August of 96, these two were inseparable. And then at last year's SummerSlam, when Undertaker's Wrestling Mankind in a boiler room brawl, Paul Bearer would turn on The Undertaker and hit him in the head with the urn. I think we've seen that so in our archives. They've been separated for one year at this point, but in more recent months, Paul Bearer has come out and says, Oh, yes, I've got a secret about The Undertaker, and you don't want me to tell all of these people. No! And so now <laughs> he's sure. having to do literally whatever Paul Bearer wants him to do. But he wants to be a good guy, but of course, Paul Bearer wants him to do bad stuff. And we know that this is going to be the tease of his brother, Kane. But right. we don't actually meet Kane until October at the Bad Blood pay-per-view where he's defending his world title against, um, no, I guess it's not the world title. Oh, there you go. Big right hand against Paul Bearer. Mm. <laughs> hey, are we going to talk about Andy Kingston hating on Dairy Queen? Are you just going to let that go? Yeah, you know, I don't pay attention to a, a fucking a New York idiot. 
about Dairy Queen. They, does anybody in, in New York know anything about Dairy Queen at all? Well, here's what they know. I, let, let me, first of all, that motherfucker has wrestled so much for Ian Rotten. I'm mm -hmm. sure that he's had in Indiana and all in Kentucky, he's had yeah. more than his fair share of Dairy Queen late night runs. And, and here's the thing. We're not putting over Dairy Queen for the goddamn food. We're putting over Dairy Queen for the ice cream. You're damn right, man. Like Fucking nobody, if you want to, like, I'll never forget Dave Silva one day in my office. He's like, um, Hey man, what are you thinking for lunch? Cause that's of course what Dave thinks about first thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what, what do you, what do you, for you to say that you have something in mind, just tell me what you want and I'll get it here. This is COVID era. And he's like uh, dairy queen. So I'm thinking, okay, the motherfucker wants a blizzard or something. I don't know. And I'm like, okay, what do you want from Dairy Queen? He's like, a number one. I'm like, a, a what? He's like, a number one. And I said, well, what kind of blizzard or sundae is that? He's like, no, it's a cheeseburger with, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're ordering real food from Dairy Queen? You don't do that. Fucking animal. What are you talking about? <laughs> so sure enough, he like went to Dairy Queen a lot, a lot for regular food. So I think Eddie maybe, maybe Eddie has heat with you liking Dairy Queen food, but let's set that record straight. You like the goddamn soft serve. Damn straight I do, buddy. I like I like the uh, dip cones. Oh yeah, that's hard to beat. That's old school. I like uh, yeah, I like uh, the blizzards. Obviously, I like their Sundays, and of course, I like those dilly bars. Yeah, well, you can get that bitch a dilly bar over at LoisRolls.com. Let me give you a game changer that Dave Flair put me on about 18 months ago. Yeah. Megan and I had one this past week and we hadn't had one in forever. And we were reminded that her brother is like a fat genius. Mm. You do peanut buster parfait, mm. which is the hot fudge and then mm -hmm. ice cream and then hot fudge and then ice cream and then hot mm. fudge and then ice cream. And they sprinkle nuts on the top. Mm -hmm. But what he does, this is a pro tip. And he says, add peanut butter. Mm. So now they go hot fudge, peanut butter, ice cream, hot fudge, peanut butter, ice cream, hot fudge, peanut butter, ice cream with nuts on top. Mm. And then you've got peanut butter all the way through. And here's the thing. You drive that home, you stick it in the freezer for a little bit, not too long, but you want it mm -hmm. to get back. It's consistency. It had when they first handed it to you. Right. And son. Wow. That sounds great. And it, the surprising thing about that is that the fucking idiot came up with it. The surprising thing to me is that Megan has a Peloton and it was her idea. <laughs> I mean, this is the first time she stepped out post Peloton. <laughs> and the first thing she wanted was her brother's ice cream contraption. You do know what's going to happen here at the house today. Don't you? You getting a, I'm making a dairy queen run. You going to do it. Oh, absolutely. I am. I tell you, the more I talked about it, the more I'm in the mood for it. And we're talking 9:39 in the morning at my house, and I'm thinking about <laughs> ice cream. Yeah, this is how you get diabetes. Shout out to Wilford. I guess you saw Wilford passed away. Uh, no, I did not. No. Wilford Bramley passed away. You didn't see that. No, I don't. I don't look at news at all. At all. All right. Well, do you know who that is? Yeah. Well, he's, he's, uh, yes, he's absolutely. Dead. I knew he's dead, Tony. He's super dead. Yeah. Was in the natural. The diabetes finally got him. You know, I could have been a farmer from the natural tremendous was the, uh, was the coach. This has been a rough year for, uh, for deaths yeah. in my circle. I got my uncle, my, my dad's brother, 
Yeah. He died, I guess, in like yeah. November. And I thought that was a rib. Yeah, you did not believe me. And yeah. then uh, one of my very best friends died a few months ago in a mm-hmm. car crash. And now my uncle, I, I, I need you to like go to the doctor like twice a week just to check in. Oh, don't worry. I, I'm getting, uh, tomorrow I'm getting my CPAP machine. Oh, dude, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I really do. I really, with the exception of uh, drinking uh, energy drinks, which I've, I've replaced. I don't drink coffee anymore. I just drink energy drinks. With the exception of energy drinks, I'm really, in, in, I'm really staying with my health. So. Well, I'm glad you're getting a CPAP machine. We talked about that off air yeah. a few weeks ago. Ooh. And we had a big choke slam by The Undertaker. Yeah. But you did a sleep study and they were shocked at how bad it was, right? Right. Yes. Well, they do. They do at fit. The, the, the deal is, is they count the number of times you stop breathing per hour. Mm-hmm. Mine, it, the, the doctor told me that 30, any, anywhere between like 20 and 30 is, is extreme. I was 50. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. JR told me he was 66. So, but he's been on a CPAP machine for quite a while. So yeah, I'm uh, he's a big advocate for it. And it's funny because I didn't really know much about it until, uh, I, I met Megan because Megan, that's, that was her business for a long time. She owned a bunch of sleep labs mm-hmm. and, um, she would tell me that Dave Silva needed a CPAP machine. And I'm like, how do you know? You've never seen him sleep. And she said, because he falls asleep at our house sitting upright. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? She said, that means that he gets choked when he lays down. He probably needs one. And so sure enough, uh, he went and got, I eventually, after I got the big, uh, scoop on it, Mm -hmm. I, uh, encouraged him strongly to go get a sleep test done. And he had it real bad too, where he's not even using a CPAP. I think he's using a BiPAP, which I guess just means it gets you even more air. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the concept right. is Dave Silva went from having a miserable existence to feeling like a new man every morning. And who mm-hmm. knew such a minor change could happen? I think when this happens, you might have a little more pep in your step. You might be wanting to poke on Lois a little more. It's going to be a big mm. deal. Good. Won't make, won't make me watch TV or read the news, though. No. I'm, I'm completely oblivious to it. Don't know anything about baseball. I know baseball's been going on. I couldn't tell you how many games the Braves have won. I only know that what I've heard is they're putting cutouts in the chairs, in the seats, which has got to look like shit. And they're also putting crowd noise in over which, again, baseball's fucked. Well, the world is fucked. Meanwhile, back back to this match, uh, pretty good match so far, isn't it? How many stars did it give it? Uh, Three stars. Crowd is real hot into this. Yeah. And you you saw like a couple of near falls a minute ago that had fans on their feet. By the way, the Braves are six and three. They're first. On the I, don't, I don't give a shit. Don't even bring it up. First place. Fuck it. Play in the Mets later today. Uh, I don't I wouldn't watch it. You couldn't, you couldn't come into my house with a gun and force me to watch the Braves game. I'd say, shoot me first. Well, let me ask you this. A baseball a, game. I'm sorry. Baseball died in the seventies from a programming standpoint. Yeah. Why do some games start at 610 and some are 605? Like, I, I thought all Braves games my whole life yeah. were like 1205 or 605. Mm-hmm. Why are some of these shows, or some of these yeah. games, 610? It must mean they're playing in New York. New York always have started at 10 past the hour. That's 
the way the Mets always have done. I, and I, don't, I can't explain that. Well, they're doing it with the Blue Jays, too. Yeah. I don't know. But like the Phillies, the Yankees, mm-hmm. it's not the case. Hey, did you see the Marlins had a bunch of COVID tests? Yeah, don't give a fuck. Do you think we're going to have college football this year? Yes, we are. Do you think we'll have pro football? Yeah, oh, yeah, I know we will. Have you seen all the NFL players bowing out? I think there's five Patriots or more now saying they're not going to play. Yeah, they're all pussies. Let me ask. Do you, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them have little babies at home who have ailments. It, and, yeah, you know what? I get that. I understand it. I get that. But I think it's pretty apparent unless you are really sick, you're not going to die from this. Okay? That's all I got to say about this. I don't give a fuck about the world. Oh, look at that. Great move by The Undertaker. And the fans bought it too, man. And you know what? It was real. It's not a movie you see very often. Yeah. In case you're not watching at home, Brett was the aggressor towards... Undertaker, who had his back in the corner, Undertaker picks Brett up and almost like a stun gun type maneuver, except on instead of on the top rope, it goes to the top turnbuckle. So Brett's head nails the top turnbuckle, but not in a snake eyes type fashion from the Undertaker because the Undertaker's in front of him. I love the way that whenever Brett would do strikes, whether it was a headbutt to the back or punches, he would do it with both feet forward. So it's like he's jumping into it. Mm-hmm. It would give you so much sound. It was one of the first things I noticed about the way Brett worked. I always thought Brett had a good leg drop too. I think Waltman has the most underrated leg drop. Yeah. You know, Brett did some good stuff, man. Uh, we, we found out during, uh, during StarCast, he's... He's pretty bitter about a lot of things, but you know what I liked about his thing at Starcast? What? I'm standing there watching and thinking, man, he's shitting on everybody, but he's telling the truth, how he feels, right? He's not bullshitting us. So that's what I'm thinking. I think, you know, Brett's coming out now and giving us really what Brett thinks. And that's pretty cool. Whether it, whether you like it or not, you know, some guys avoid shit. Don't say what they really feel. Don't want to offend people. Brett didn't give a fuck. <laughs> he just laid it all out there, buddy. Man, boy. You know, The Undertaker. Hey, okay. Great entrance. Maybe best entrance ever. He changed his gimmick to, you know, the biker or whatever. Badass. But, man, Mark could do a lot of great shit in the ring for a guy his size. I remember mean Mark Callis walking those ropes thinking this fucker can go. And I remember in the back because we had Paulie dangerously with him. Paulie came to me and he said, that motherfucker is going to be a star. Never will forget Paulie saying that. He said, in the future, this guy's going to be a star. And I paused and I said, you're right. And I said, in the future, you're going to be a gigantic fat ass. And I was right about that. But the Undertaker can do some stuff, man. See how he can get up in the air, man? Wow. We're talking about from a just a whip hopping up from the mat. Not not on the top, but hopping up and laying it in. 
So is Paul Bear still out, or did he choke slam him away? Um, he, I don't think he's out there anymore. Yeah, he attacked him, and I guess he went away. One, two. Yeah, they're doing some good stuff. Wow. So is the uh, is the Undertaker really done? Was that uh, Boneyard match really his last, or is it just one of those things where this well, last he, until Vince needs him again? Yeah, I mean, I think he thinks he's really done. But if you watch the whole series, he's said that he thought he was really done a few times. But if Vince calls, yeah. he's going to be there. Of course. But you know, if you're getting paid a million dollars a year to wrestle one time a year, that's for, you know not too much to ask. No, but you know, over the look at this man, <laughs> choke slam, picked him up outside and threw him in on the choke slam. You do know the the idea of last match of your career. If I lose, I retire. That means nothing anymore. I don't even know why they use that stipulation. I don't. I guess we haven't seen that much of it lately. But no one has really retired. Maybe maybe Flair did. But did he work after that? After the Shawn Michaels match? Of course. Yeah. Throw that out. I'll put my career on the line. Yeah, bullshit. Well, he didn't wrestle in WWE after that. But he wrestled. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Wild Little Boy Blue. Hmm. He needed the money. Oh! <laughs> Here we go. It's going to be a big one. Flex. How about this one? Oh, fuck. And Undertaker collapses. And Bret Hart. Yeah, good. Bret Hart is thrown. Bret still has, it, has him under hold. Yeah. He did it. It made it even a little more real that he slipped. Yeah. It's weird how, you know, with some guys, we look at it like it's a botch. With other guys, we say, oh, it made it look more real. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys. When the guys make it look more real, the guys know how to know how to work. And believe you me, in this business now, in the spear of this business, there are a lot more people who can't work than can work. And that's just the result of not enough time in the ring now. I mean, back in this back in this era. They worked all the time. How to house shows. Ain't got those anymore. That's how you learn your craft. I think I've said this before. I think, gosh, I'm sound like Jr. here. That's where you learn your craft by in the ring. You don't learn it by practicing. You learn it by doing matches and reacting to crowds and improvising in the ring to make it look real. And that's one of the wonderful things about the business. You will hear me say many times backstage at uh, Dynamite, God, I love this business. And I really do. And I really didn't realize how much I did until I got with you again. I'm glad you did. Yeah. It's just the, the intricacies of the business. Just tremendous. 
they're having a hell of a match here as your main event. Yeah, they're, they're, they are. They're kicking ass. So they're going to have a straight finish or we're going to have a storyline finish with uh, Paul Bear? Uh, it, it won't be Paul Bear. Okay. All right. By the way, I should remind everybody while they're doing this, mm-hmm. uh, one week later, six days later, you guys would present Road Wild 1997 Ooh. with a return match. I mean, serious business. The next day, you guys had Monday Nitro. The night after this, mm-hmm. Bret Hart here using the ring post to put a sharpshooter on a motherfucker around the post. Mm. Earlier this year, he had started putting the figure four around the post, but the first time I see a sharpshooter here, oh, and he goes down on to Sean. Anyway, the next day, you guys have at the Palace of Auburn Hills, which was recently destroyed, a super spectacular all-time record number of fans Watch Lex Luger beat Hollywood Hogan to become the world champ. Right. And six days later, after popping such a huge rating, it's the rematch on pay-per-view. Hollywood's going to pick the belt up back from Lex. We've also got the Steiner brothers working with the Outsiders, the Giant working with Randy Savage, Kurt Henning working with Diamond Dallas Page, Ric Flair working with Six, Alex Wright working with Jericho for the Cruiserweight title, Steve McMichael teaming with Chris Benoit to take on Jeff Jarrett and Dean Malenko. Conan and Rey Mysterio in a Mexican death match. And Harlem Heat working with Vicious and Delicious, which was Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton. That's a pretty big-time card on pay-per-view just six days after this. Yeah. All right, here we go. Going to be some big stuff here. Let's All right. track this. That's your finish, ladies and gentlemen, your winner and champion for the fifth time, your Canadian hero, Brett, the Hitman Hart. And you see Sean furious at himself that he lost his temper, but Brett literally spit in his face and yelled, fuck you. He had a chair in his hand. He felt like he had to retaliate. He swings the chair. Brett ducks. Undertaker catches it. And now the Undertaker realizes, I've just been screwed out of my title by that goddamn Shawn Michaels. So they're going to be on a collision course for the next month's pay-per-view, which is In Your House Ground Zero, where the Undertaker would famously sail over the top rope with a tope at his giant size. It was quite the spectacle. And one month later, after that ends in a schmoz finish, it's time to put it in a contraption that... We've never seen before the debut of the hell in the cell in October. Fast forward one month after that, and it's finally time for Sean and Brett to hook it up at survivor series. And we all remember what happened there, man, this was the best of times. And look at the crowd. They're stunned because this USA versus Canada thing was legit heat here and they hate Bret Hart and they wanted the undertaker to win. See the trash in the ring. What a spectacle. What a show. I love this show, Tony. What'd you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. 
No, thumbs up. And uh, one of the reasons to thumbs up because, well, Stone Cold's entrance and, and that match until the injury. But also, I love the finish of this match. Oh, Loved it's it. great. So well yeah. done. It really was. They, they These guys pulled it off perfectly. I mean, he hit him. He didn't want to make the three count, and he just walked out, pissed off at himself. So, yeah, I, I, I say thumbs up because of the end of it. Now, uh, there were some other good things I thought in, in here. I, I like Triple H and, and Mankind, and I like the way that ended. Uh, I like seeing Sonny, <laughs> who didn't. Sure, Sonny was great. And, you know, yeah. here's a replay here. Big Loogie, bam, and nails him. So well done. And he realizes he's got to make the count. Looks at him in between each one. Mm-hmm. Then pushes his way out. Damn it. I yeah. love the, the story here as Brett has outsmarted him. Trash comes in, and there you see. It's a good day for the Hart Foundation. Of course, Owen lost his Intercontinental title. Bulldog, part of that DQ, but he picked up a win because of the dog food reaction. Ron Pillman's got to wear a dress, but who cares? <laughs> We've got the world title. Good times, man. I, uh, again, I, I, I wonder if I would have, sometimes I wonder if I would have paid attention to it as an employee of WCW at that time. If I would have taken, uh, here's a, a, another look at it again. Look at this loogie, man. Yeah. I like how they got the, did a great job of getting his face. See that camera? Yep. That's great react. Anyway, I wonder if, uh, as a WCW guy, if I would have looked at this and so, ah, that sucks. If you just, sometimes you look at it through different glasses and that's exactly right. Yeah. That's a great point. I don't, I don't think you could have said this show sucked though. I really enjoyed this and I'm at the height of my fandom here. So it was good to go back and show you something that I really enjoyed next up though, after, you know, we saw the, the big debut from ECW, the first ECW show I made you watch was barely legal. It was their very first pay-per-view from April of 97. Uh, their sophomore effort, their, their second round, uh, was August 17th, hardcore heaven, 1997 at the war Memorial in Fort Lauderdale. And, uh, that's what we'll be watching next week. It's Taz working with Chris Candido for the television championship, bam, bam, Bigelow working with Spike Dudley, Rob Van Dam working with Al snow. The Dudley boys are going to take on PG 13. And then we've got Tommy dreamer taking on Jerry Lawler. And in your main event for the world title, it's a three-way dance. The match that put ECW on the map way back when it's Shane Douglas taking on Sabu and Terry Funk. And that's what we'll be watching here next week on what happened when, but Tony right now, it feels like it's uh, about that time. It is just about that time. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our main event of the evening. It is Eddie Kingston going up against David flair. David flair comes out with a peanut buster parfait in one hand and a picture of Stacy Keebler in the other. Already. We hate David flair. We did. Then we do now. He is hitting with a peanut buster parfait. It is all over the mat. Dave Silver runs out. He is gathering up the remnants. He's putting them in a cup. He's got a cheeseburger in his hand. And my goodness, here comes Paul Bear. Paul Bear, what do you have to say? Oh, yes. Join us on Patron on Mondays at WHW Monday. That's patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. 
as well as on ad-free shows. Oh, yeah. We are desperately out of time. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. You're wasting money on your single biggest expense, and you might not even realize it. Just ask Brandon in Texas. SaveWithConrad.com. Just hooked him up. He left us a five-star review, and here's what he had to say. This whole refinance process has been super easy. It's been entirely stress-free. I had a good interest rate beforehand and no real need to refinance. But I finally looked into it after hearing Conrad's ads. Turns out they were able to cut five years of payments, saving me about $50,000. Man, Brandon saved 50 grand and he thought he had a great deal. How much can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket and we're licensed in more than 40 states. So we can help more families than ever before at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? At savewithconrad.com.